0: Yo, Tim. Yes, Derek. You know, even when it's a long time ago in a place far, far away. Yeah. You could get spoiled. Right. By some of the story topics we're going to be hitting, so... Yeah, and the thing is, is
1: if you've never seen any of the Star Wars movies, you're probably never going to see them, so... Right, so why are you listening to this? Shut this off, I demand of you. You're not even listening anyway. We're talking to you who's not even got their podcast on. (laughs) (laughs) This is Central
2: central to Stand Stand by... by. (laughs)
0: Tim. Yes. Before we get into the show, I just need to tell you something. What's that? I got a bad feeling about this. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd be bigger.
1: Oh wait, that's Roadhouse. (laughs) It's totally different. And I'm talking the Jake Gyllenhaal Roadhouse, not
0: the. Yeah. Not the. Was there another one? (laughs) I (laughs) used to fuck. Guys like you in prison.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You can do worse. (laughs) I'm Patrick fucking (laughs) Swain. Anyway. (laughs) So this is uh, the podcast we call Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. That's right. And my name is Tim My name
0: is Derek And welcome Mm, Well, on this episode, we'll have to refer to Tim as the master of all Star Wars knowledge (laughs) We'll
1: see, we'll see Uh You're putting pressure on me, which will cause my brain to immediately blank of all things I've wasted 40 years on Hey, you did it to me on Batman Yeah, I know, I know but it, but it worked. You were prepared. I'm, mm. I'm winging this one. I'm, I'm trusting <laughs> my brain. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna be talking Star Wars on this. Uh, we're gonna talk the prequel trilogy episodes, volume one, dealing with episodes one, two, and three. Right.
0: And some this isn't that.
1: Yeah, some of the Disney filler shit and some of the other uh, uh, important animation stuff.
0: So. Basically all taking place within that timeline. Yeah. And then right. as the volumes go on, we'll carry on through the rest of the timeline. Yeah. Keep yeah. it keep it in chronological order, if you will. That's exactly
1: what I was just about to say. Yeah, we're not going to do order of release. Obviously, nope. we're doing order of how they take place in the timeline. B- right. Right. Before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. That's the center point of the Star Wars timeline.
0: See, look at that. Look at that geekiness (laughs) flowing now.
1: Yeah, right, right. And, of course, Battle of Yavin is when the first Death Star got blown up.
0: Yeah. So, anyway,
1: anything that happens before that battle is BBY, and then, obviously, they don't say anything. They don't really call it anything for after. (laughs) A-BBY? (laughs) A-B-B-Y? So, the birth of Star Wars from George
0: Lucas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he's the guy, right? He's the guy that started this whole world that everyone hates and loves at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was born to Dorothy and George Sr. Mm-hmm. In Modesto, California. That's where he was raised. Yeah, that's Northern California. Like, outside of San Fran. right his dating bio would say something along the lines of, I have interests in comic books and movie serials. I love science fiction and race cars and cars. Yeah. Yeah. He's
1: a car guy. And, um, that's kind of, that's, uh, there's a lot of influence from that in these movies, especially, uh,
0: more of that stuff we just mentioned. Uh, Yeah. uh, as, uh, it's amazing when you start, when w- once we get in just a little bit into the history of who he is, yeah. how everything from his life in all areas of his life, from childhood, teens, 20s, right. 30s, all of that is incorporated in the stories he chooses to tell.
1: Well, and um, I know as a young teenager, he had a little little sports car that he was race around in uh northern california and uh much to the chagrin of his father who just wanted him to be calm the fuck down and join his uh what was it like a card store or something hey, they owned? Uh, his yeah his father
0: owned a stationary store stationary wanted him store, after right. he graduated to come and help him at the store but he had a really 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 bad car accident and in 1962 yeah a few days after his graduation, he was driving around, maybe racing. Mm. Uh, people don't know for sure, and it's a mixed story there. But he had a souped up, and I don't know what this is, Otto Bianchi Benachina? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, 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 that's actually a very obscure oh, okay. thing. So uh, it's a little sports car. Could probably, it's, Obviously, it sounds Italian. So, Right.
0: He was in that, broadsided by another driver. The car flipped several times and hit a tree. He was thrown clear from the car. Apparently his seatbelt snapped.
1: Or 62. They might not even have had seatbelts.
0: Right. Um, But apparently because he was thrown clear. He survived. He survived. Even though it it messed him up. It hurts his lungs. He had to go to hospital and it was a pretty bad car wreck. And so after he healed from those injuries, he apparently was like, you know what? I don't want to be a racer anymore. Cause he wanted to be a racer for a right, long time. Right. Yeah. And then that got him out of <laughs> kind of
1: pushed him into the whole, uh, film school idea
0: of going right. to film school. Yeah. There's a few things that, like, after he graduates, like we said, and uh, his father wanted him to come and work in a stationery store, he went off and basically it was just like, I don't want to do that. And he even proclaimed by many people, uh, many of his friends said, I'll
3: be a millionaire by the time I'm 30.
0: Wow. Yeah. Called that one. (laughs) Right. He went to college just to pursue arts because he didn't know what else he wanted to do. Well, here's the thing. I said the same thing.
1: Uh, Guess what, though? (laughs) (laughs) Not a millionaire. You're just a few... Million shy of a million. Of <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm just nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars away from being a millionaire.
0: Ah, you got some time. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, man. I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. So I found this stuff pretty interesting, though, because I looked up his little little history on him, though. So he decides to go to Modesto Junior College, where he yeah. just was investing his time in college, but he was doing a bunch of different things and he didn't really have a direction on which way he wanted to go while there. Yeah. That's when he started getting into cinema and there was a a place called Canyon cinema where, which led him to get into very avant-garde films. Right. And that's where they also were playing a lot of foreign films. And that's probably... It's speculated that's where he first saw uh, it, from 1961 Yojimbo from Kurosawa. Right, right. <laughs> that has a major impact on right. how things yeah. are going to look and stylizations and right. culture that's involved in that. Cause you know, he's involved, you know, as a kid, he loves comic books and science fiction and all that. That's all going to work its way into his yeah. work as we, as they move on. Well, that and also like a film style too, you know, uh, yeah,
1: everybody's apes Kurosawa from that era, you know what I
0: mean? But yeah, so I guess like because of that, he ends up getting, a. Uh, 8mm camera he goes out and starts filming races and while filming races he at the time there was a really well known cinematographer named Haskell Wexler uh-huh. and he meets that guy while filming at the races because that guy was doing a documentary on the races they become friends because he tells he basically tells Lucas like what are you doing like like pick a direction you should be going to USC and getting in their film school there right and that's why he ends up he's like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) so he ends up going there and going to the film school there at USC and uh getting a bachelor's degree in the fine arts right and there he meets other well-known filmmakers at the time spielberg is one right. of them a little right. guy maybe no one never heard of him and then uh, john melius and um, a lot of guys that end up staying in his core group as he moves on right so uh he he graduates with that bachelor's degree gets out and then wants to join the air force Tries to join the Air Force. They won't take him because he has too many speeding tickets. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So then he's later drafted into the Army by Vietnam, but then they reject him because he tested positive for diabetes. Oh, wow. So then they won't take him, so he decides, you know what? I'm going to go back, and I'm going to try this filmmaking thing out. Goes back to USC, starts getting really into filmmaking, and then he makes a short film called Electronic Labyrinth, THX 1138 4EB, and that ends up winning first prize in the National Student Film Festival in 1967 and because he wins that Warner Brothers gives out a scholarship and basically says we have this many features in production right now you can choose any of these to go and kind of learn from whoever's directing that and he chooses a movie named Finian's Rainbow from 1968 directed by Francis Ford Coppola
1: Mm -hmm. and that's how they
0: become buddies they become buddies, and then they become— He starts working
1: for him after that, doesn't he? W. starts
0: working for him, and once Francis Ford creates something, uh, a company called American Zoetrope, they right. start making films. They get a big backing from Warner Brothers to finance George Lucas's first film, THX, which is an extended version of his right. short, short film, film. Right. and it bombs.
1: Right, right, right. So—
0: To save American Zotro, Francis Ford goes and makes The Godfather. And then Lucas takes that as a sign to go and create his own film company called Lucasfilm. And off of the back of that, he gets a small budget for another little film called American American Graffiti. And that's in 1973. Right. That gives him a hit, a big hit, and enough money to go out and try to purchase something the rights to Flash Gordon, which right. he wants to write a new script and bring that to the big screen. But they say, Nay. Nay, nay, nay. You cannot do that. So he says, Fuck you. I'm going to go do my own version then. Yeah, right. And that's how we get to where we are now. What he
1: has in his mind doesn't can't physically be... Created by anybody, by nobody can do it. So he actually ends up developing his own special effects company, ILM, and hiring out the best young guys of of uh, Southern California that he can find, right, to create ILM, so they can invent the technology needed to create this special effects. And so he's got his hands in all. uh, all, Not only is he a filmmaker, he's also a a technology. maven i don't know what the word yeah, would yeah <laughs> right
0: no yeah yeah because of him we have all, you know this amazing sound when you go to the theaters now right. and... yeah and because of him many editors i mean a lot of old school editors still edit who still film on film cut the old-fashioned way like on right. an old steam back right cutting negative and stuff like that but because of him he was this like digital is the way to go and you can cut linear and you can drop this into there and you won't lose a cut or anything like that so digital filmmaking is all a a road that all went through Lucas Pixar we have Pixar because of George Lucas
1: because that happens during the prequel trilogy I think during Attack of the Clones is is the first one to get releases in a first movie to ever get releases in with digital projection right so um, yeah you you know this guy's a bit of a, a mad genius
0: <laughs> yeah oh for sure for sure yeah And that's what I mean it's it's amazing that when you know his history and then watch his stuff and especially hear him talk about some of the stuff you yeah. can hear how much in his life he was influenced by is spit out through his funnel into yeah. his own art
3: you know? right yeah the first script that I wrote was Way too big to be a movie. There was just too much in it, so I had to shave off a lot of story at the front and back of it. So, really, what I had was the whole backstory for the prequels and the following sequels, but I just carved out episode four because it was the most cost-effective to do in a way. I guess initially we'll say, you know, obviously he
1: he says he conceived of this uh, Star Wars saga as 12 parts initially, and, you know, he wanted to start in the middle, and that's why (laughs) in 1977.
0: It ends up being called Star Wars, not episode four, A New Hope, anything like that. That comes later. And it's
1: kind of like, what if you're a kid in the 1940s going to see your Weekly serials in the theaters Right And you happen to come You you know the first day you go Is oh shit It's episode four Not episode one That just kind of happened When you were a kid And then you would just Start from there And that's right. That was the idea With uh, uh, A New Hope And Empire Strikes Back And Return of the Jedi But he claims That he had a full idea for what the beginning, middle, and the end is. But, you know, you read a lot of the notes and a lot of stuff did change a lot. Even before yeah. episode four came around, a lot of the names were
0: changed, a lot of the plot points were rewritten. So, well, And that's an interesting thing to keep on since you mentioned it is the names that changed. Well, Luke Skywalker wasn't Luke Skywalker back then. In the original draft, he pitched it as...
3: It was originally Luke Starkiller, but, you know just didn't seem to work
1: i find with george that he kind of his story is very flexible over the yeah, years. yeah yeah, it's very fluid very fluid yeah
0: as the years go on he he tends to manipulate the history of however yeah. it affects the future of the movie <laughs> right 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 so that's why
1: you got to take a lot of what he says about how it came things came to be with a bit of a grain of salt and all right.
0: that. but um but there are there are instances of early interviews I think during Empire where he does talk about there being a lava planet where
1: Yeah, oh I yeah, I definitely feel like he did have a lot of this in his mind. Yeah. But he didn't have it written out, no, I don't no, think, no. from beginning to end. Because otherwise, why did he sit down to right. write down the scripts in the 90s for? <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Exactly. I mean, maybe to polish it out. Then. Right. And I think maybe to just put what was in his head on paper for real. Right. You know? Right. A little blueprint, basically. So going back to the ILM thing, mm. I, I know he felt like, you know, using a lot of practical effects and what ILM developed for the first three Star Wars movies, uh, 4, 5, and 6... Right. Was very, He found it to be very limiting So that's why he goes back And touches all those up later on And adds shit Because he felt like it was stuff That he wanted to do then And couldn't do right. And I guess what happened was Is when ILM was working with Spielberg On Jurassic Park and, and they started doing the dinosaur scenes And all that stuff And George sat in with Steven to see it And he saw those scenes And was like, holy shit I can do my... I can finally... The technology is here. I can do my continuation right. Star Wars movies. And that's the impetus to uh, the prequels getting done. You know what right. I mean?
0: He's like, finally, technology is caught up with my imagination. With my, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: So, But before he does that, he does do the special editions uh, through the 90s. I think maybe as a tester, too yeah you know uh yeah, see sure. if the interest is there and it was because when those movies were re-released there was lines out the doors yep. to see those movies in theaters again. i was
0: in some of those lines <laughs> i was in all
1: of them too yeah uh i think it was yeah the first like we were talking off of transmission the other day the first uh the episode four release was in 1997 like early like in january right. of 1997 and then they came out uh, obviously you know systematically afterwards the f- that first movie having had the most limited technology had the most changes to it right all that, that was kind of the beginning of the toxic uh, yeah. fandom thing fandom, because uh sure. A lot of people were like Oh well, you fucking with my Star Wars It was fine And it's like Shut up Shut up right, <laughs> was, right, you right. Know.
0: Digital Java <laughs> On shot first <laughs>
1: Yeah that whole thing Right So but, but because we're talking about these In chronological order Right And not in order of release We're going to talk about One of the newest things first <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Because yeah th- This is something that um, Came out last year I believe Yeah 22 Under Dave Filoni, who is. uh, The current day. Yeah, current day George Lucas. He is George (laughs) Lucas today. Yeah. Let me give you peace, Master Yaddle. Tales of the Jedi is a, a series of shorts that came out on Disney Plus and they all kind of mostly prior to episode one you know what right. I mean right some of them you know, a couple of them kind of happen in and after episode one or episode two or during the prequels I should say right they're really fucking good
0: yeah <laughs> They're, they're really, really good. They're really story-driven. Even though they're only like 15 minutes each. Yeah. They contain chunks of really great storytelling that not only is entertaining to just watch but right. also at the same time connect to so many different parts of the movie and are, are are give more to a character that didn't have a lot to chew on in one of the films or two of the films Yeah, really interconnects everything and builds a character so when you go back and you end up seeing that character again in those films you have that knowledge of the hit right. h- and it's just it's amazing right
1: right because a lot of what George Lucas talks about is kind of dropping you in without a lot of exposition and, right. and just kind of letting you go so that when you do do get this exposition in, like, say, these Tales of the Jedi's episode, it's so well-crafted yeah. that it fits in perfectly, and and Filoni is a bit of a maestro at being able to um, retcon and yeah. successfully not only lift material that needed lifting, but also just filling out, like you were saying, filling out a story yeah. in, in a very interesting way. So, yeah. Anybody who hasn't seen these episodes, you've got to see them. They're so good. Um, yeah, yeah. But I would say the first one is probably my least favorite one, and that's the one about Ahsoka as a baby.
0: But it's still, there's really good nuggets in there. Right. And builds on her character and where she came from and stuff like that. But Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, her kind of revealing her natural talents with the Force and all that.
0: Right, right.
1: And uh, a little bit more of that culture, which yeah. it's basically in our home planet of the Togruta species, I guess, you know, with the Bengal white tails on their head with the orange skin and the markings on their faces and all that stuff. They're very similar to a Twi'lek, you know, where they Twi'lek has the big tails on their head. Right. Yeah, so you get to see kind of the culture of where these Togruta people, kind of how they live and... It's kind of cool the way they flesh it out, where they're they're very kind of like almost like a primal uh, huts and all that stuff, but there's tons of technology, modern to Star Wars technology within their culture, blended in, you know. And I I I I thought that was kind of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there's something that I think that they've continued to do successfully with current star wars things and then yeah. what george did was was and i think it's a genius thing is that he interweaves things that we know cultures that we know religions that we know into the storytelling so everyone can see something from their life in it right. you know what i mean yeah. or something that they know or have seen and I, right. I always i always appreciate that going back and watching either the old films or these films or the new stuff that comes out yeah. I don't see Star Wars as profoundly religious. I see Star
3: Wars as taking all of the issues that religion represents and trying to distill them down into a, a more modern, more easily accessible construct that people can grab onto to accept the fact that there is a greater mystery out there. Religion is basically a, a, a container for faith. Um, faith is uh, the, the glue that holds us together as a society. Faith in our our culture, our our World, or you know, whatever it is that we're trying to hang on to.
0: The Ahsoka ones uh, are really great, and they add so much to her character. And, and going into some of the, the Clone War stuff, and
1: even setting up for Rebels. The last, the very last episode yeah. is kind of like uh, with yeah. her, her and uh, Senator Organa. they he's basically like, "So are you ready to fight?" Because she had right. Anybody who had seen the Clone Wars series, she, she had quit being a Jedi, and that's that also helped explain why she wasn't in the movies. But um, right. before the end of the Clone Wars, she had quit being a Jedi and, and gave it all up and ran away and was in hiding and all that. Right. And a few things kind of provoked her. And she, I think over time, just being away from it for so long, and then the, 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 the Imperial imp- oppression kind of drew her out. And the, that episode six kind of leads her into like, okay... You know, all right, this is where I'm going to start getting involved in the resistance or the, the rebel alliance that's fledgling at the point.
0: Right. Yeah. So those are great, but the Mm -hmm. ones that I really liked was the ones about Dooku. Right. Me too. And building his history, because he was always in those, as we'll talk about as we get to them, but uh, he was one of those characters, one, because of the gravitas of the actor they get to play him. Yeah, Christopher Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, right, but the character that you hear about... By the time you get to attack the clones, you're like, Well who who what? Like who, who is yeah. this guy. So you wanna know more about him and then those provide this backstory history, what turns him and all of this stuff. And right. that's the, the amazing stuff that you can just feel the hands of Dave Dave. Filoni. Filoni, yeah. Yeah, all, yeah, all over that. Just massaging the story into those gaps of those things. While
1: also Answering the big question of what happened to Master Yaddle. Right. Because you see her in episode one, and then she's never there again. You know what I mean? She's a female version of the Yoda species. Right. Or the Grogu species. And, you know, a lot of people were like, well, wonder if she was so... Maybe Yaddle died in birth when Grogu was born, right? Right. (laughs) Something like that. Right. And that's still a possibility, I guess. But we get to see why she wasn't in episode two and I thought oh that's fucking cool and the other thing that's important about her character is we get to find out that Yoda himself is just a linguistic weirdo with his switching around of sentence phrases the way help you I will Mm." you know all that shit because Yaddle doesn't do that Right. (laughs) right Right.
4: do who
3: step to me whatever your crimes are help me now
0: Then you heard, you know.
3: That does not matter.
0: Which is another. I mean, to me, uh, that could be anyone's spin of why they do that. And well, is because Cookie Monster is doing it. Yeah. you know, <laughs> all of that. But right, a
2: chocolate chip cookie, chocolate chip cookie, important to me
0: too. Um, 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 You know that to me that just says, okay, well, he wasn't raised in her region.
1: Obviously, this species is is a huge mystery. Right. Within this universe, because they don't exist. There's only a couple of them at a time. So. Right. Yeah. So it, it almost heightens the mystery yeah. that, that she doesn't talk the, way, the weird way that Yoda talks.
0: Right, know? yeah. Uh, but yeah, seeing her and seeing, like, you're taking a character you barely saw, barely yeah. saw in Phantom Menace, and giving right. her this, again, in like a 15-minute span. You really like her. You feel for her plight. You you can see that she's on both. She can see both sides. sides She's a very open-eyed Jedi who sees the flaws in the system of, Mm -hmm. you know, the Jedis uh, and and also sees, oh, that's the dark side. That's the wall you don't want to hit kind of thing. Speaking
3: on behalf of the council, there's no reason to cause undue alarm.
2: So you doubt his claims
3: no I do not but the wisdom of the council is to be cautious until we know more
0: and you also it does that thing that we've talked about in the past of like when you get a villain like Thanos or something where yeah. you see why the Dooku yeah. is, is doing what he's doing you're like yeah right. that shit's not right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and how the Jedi have
1: become fallible in their arrogance yeah yeah, yeah. right Setting up the disaster That's about to come Yeah and also Some of the backstory On Qui-Gon And all that stuff too Is great Yeah Like see You knew that um, Count Dooku Was an important part Of the Jedi society Or whatever And the not the council so much But the He was a big deal. He was a big deal Master Jedi. When did he fall, though? You know, all you know is he fell, and then here he is in uh, Attack of the Clones, just full-fledged Sith at this point. Right. And, yeah, watching and seeing why and how, and like you were saying, it just gives such a gravitas to it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, you know, he's the one voice actor they had to stick with the Clone Wars voice actor because Christopher Lee passed away quite right. a while ago. But uh, what is great about these tales from the Jedi is uh, they get Liam Neeson to yeah. voice Qui-Gon Jinn, and I got goosebumps Me when that too. fucking happened. Yeah.
2: I encountered a highly skilled warrior, one obviously trained in the Jedi arts.
1: And you believe it was a Sith Lord? Yes. And they got Ian McDermott to do Emperor Palpatine, right? Too. You lost an apprentice, and so did I.
3: All in service of our greater goals.
1: You don't realize how much you're missing Ian McDermott as uh, Palpatine in the Clone Wars until you see yep. him in that, and you hear him talking yep. to Count Dooku, and you're like, oh, God, I, yep. I got goosebumps just... There's something different About his voice You know yeah. And that's the thing About the Clone Wars Is all the voices Are a little bit different Yeah right. other, They've become Their own thing Yeah But when they do Insert it Into The, the real guys Into there It, it kind of Does something Right to-
0: bring them to real life you know right because when you first see Qui-Gon Jinn they have a new another person doing a younger version of him and but it still looks like Liam Neeson you know a young Liam Neeson kind of thing but you have this other guy doing his voice a good job but there's something about it that when you flash forward years later and you see Qui-Gon and they're operating within that timeline Right, very close. It's
1: literally right after the episodes of, uh, I mean, the uh, uh, events of Episode One, and uh, they had found Anakin, and they're going to train the kid and all that stuff. But right before,
0: obviously, he, right, doesn't make it. Right. (laughs) Exactly, and and you you hear Liam's voice coming out of this thing, and yeah. it just so interconnects you to it. All of the like people have their gripes about how sometimes the animation looks this way. I, it all becomes one thing to me. It's all very yeah. cohesive and just right. fits perfectly together when you're watching these stories.
1: Well, and the other thing about that too is you know when the Clone Wars series first started, it was a long time ago. It was it right. was a long time ago, like fifteen probably 15 plus years ago right so the computer animation has evolved so much that you know i like i said i watched a couple of the episodes today and on a 4k tv and just some of those opening shots of the Jedi temple in animation are fucking amazing. Yeah. They're better than the, je- than the CG movie versions from uh, episodes one and two or, or whatever. Right. So the animation quality has evolved a lot since yeah. say uh, season one of the Clone Wars, you know, cause it's all the same animation style.
0: Right. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. The, especially being that this tales from the Jedi is the, one of the newer things to come out of this thing. You know, it it's the one thing I, I, I think, that has come along you know cause Mandalorian has it's feel and it definitely has it's pulse on the funness and of stuff of, of, yeah. of Star Wars and that but the spirit of like how you felt watching it as a kid like my you know my right. first one watching was, was uh, Jedi which we'll get into in later shows but how you feel as a kid watching these things these tales from the Jedi things make you feel like that kind of oh yeah this is, oh, yeah. This is special Star Wars this is not just trying to titillate me it does have kind of a, uh, a in an
1: end way it does kind of almost have an adult yeah. spin on it. It's not very lighthearted. It's like adult clone wars and, uh, cartoons, you know.
0: Right, that's what's great I think about something like Tales from the Jedi is it has that spirit that I it didn't feel like ever to me that especially with A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back that George was talking down to the to the audience. He was just telling you a story. Right. Whereas, you know, as as they go on, th- that dynamic changes a bit.
1: Right, 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 yeah. These tales from the Jedi are basically you know setting up uh, and filling in some of the holes from the movies and uh, right. really positive shit. It's
0: amazing. And then, like we said, Dave Filoni's behind that, and it's great too because when every episode ends, you see. You know, written by Dave Filoni, produced by Dave Filoni, you know, yeah. creative consultant Dave Filoni. Yeah, you know, he has right. his hands all in this, just like you would see back in the day when a Star Wars film's in George, yeah. George Lucas, George yeah. Lucas, yeah. George Lucas. Right.
3: It's supposed to be a world of darkness, uh, and it's supposed to be a world of hope. It was always meant to be for everyone, from uh, you know
0: to 93 so you know one of the questions I, I wrote down for to ask both of us is does this show make it necessary for a Star Wars person and I say absolutely it does if you're a, for Star, a Star Wars, Wars person, fan yes. Yeah, yes. this is a must see
1: yes yeah, absolutely because as we're, we were about to get into I you know some of this, the storytelling in the prequel trilogy is a little to be desired I guess it's right. not so much the storytelling it's the execution of the storytelling I guess right uh, the filmmaking right. behind the storytelling leaves a lot of room to be improved. I right, think. and this perfectly does that.
0: Yeah, as we'll we'll get into it as we bleed into the next thing, which is experience the spectacle, feel the excitement,
1: share the fun,
0: take the journey. Again,
1: Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, rated PG.
0: Something that was a huge event yeah. in 1999. Right. The build-up to The Phantom Menace was massive. Yeah, it was just to know that there was gonna be another Star Wars film coming up. One in 1999 from 83 on yeah, there was, was n- the last, there was no was, nothing I mean in, in between Ewok films and stuff like that which yeah, were, yeah, right, were right. never really I don't think ever taken very seriously yeah full cinematic experience right. and all
1: that yeah right.
0: right so the build up even hearing the, what the name was was a big announcement right you know right. the the Phantom Menace once that's name, you're like oh my god what does that mean you know who, who's it talking <laughs> yeah. about Right. right and everyone of course we, we all knew it was going to be a prequel and how, you know, the story of Anakin Skywalker and everything. And I may be remembering wrong, but I remember everyone in my circle anyway, being very excited about that storytelling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then they cast Jake Lloyd.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So episode one, The Phantom Menace, comes out in 99 and it's divisive. And I think it, it I, I, although it, it did crazy fucking yeah. numbers. Everybody went to see it. Well,
0: you gotta, you gotta look at it this way
1: too. You don't know it's gonna suck, right, you know.
0: Right, and so this is twenty-two years in between George Lucas directing.
1: Yeah, he does right because he did Episode Four. Right. But he did not direct Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi.
0: Right. He didn't direct anything else up until 1999. Yeah. And he and he didn't even really want to do that. Right. He was looking for other directors. He went to Spielberg first. And Spielberg said, no, no, you should do it. You know, it's coming from your head. You should be in full control of this thing. Yeah. And
1: I've been thinking about that lately, too. And I think there's probably a little bit of horror stories in the ether about... George sticking his nose in in Irving Kirshner's business during *Empire Strikes Back*, and and obviously, I think you were saying Richard Marquand was the director of *Return of the Jedi*, right? And I think you know he pretty much had George over his shoulder the whole time, telling him how to do it (laughs) right? Right? And and you know Spielberg, even though I'm sure they have a you know a decent relationship because of uh, *Raiders of the Lost Ark*, Spielberg and Lucas, right? Yeah, Spielberg and Lucas. That uh, I, that just Spielberg was probably like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with this, George. Right. You know what I mean? You're just going to a- aggravate the shit out of anybody who directs these.
0: Right. Well, that, and I think Spielberg's probably smart enough to know, like. No one's gonna make a Star Wars film That's gonna satisfy all of these rabid Fans that have built up over the years So I don't wanna be a part of that hate (laughs) Here's the thing though,
1: I think Steven Was wrong, I think these movies would Have been better had they been through the eyes of someone with a different perspective on filmmaking because, you know, you hear some of the story. Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford they always tell stories about how they were picking on George the whole time during right. the original Star Wars thing because he was so cerebral and so nerdy and square and stiff right. The thing I remember most clearly was
3: my first day in the Millennium Falcon I said to him, okay, George how do you fly it? Well, you, uh, you you know
1: you the, you see all it. you just fly it and it comes through in the dialogue that he writes and all that. And it, it, you know, uh, so I feel like somebody with a better directing eye than George would have probably been able to tell these stories a little bit better. I think,
0: right. You get someone like Steven Spielberg in there who, you know, not that he's not had his pitfalls for sure. Of all his schmutzy stuff that he does and stuff. Indiana Jones four. (laughs) Right. Yeah. His biggest pitfall, but to, to get a perspective of someone like him with, I think, he and, at least up till <laughs> Last Crusade, George and and Spielberg seemed to balance each other a bit on, right. that's going too far. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should do this. And they both could kind of keep each other in check. Maybe by the time they got to that level, they, they wouldn't have been able to do it as much. And definitely by the time you get to Indiana Jones. Well, but here's the thing,
1: too. I feel like with Indiana Jones, they both kind of had equal ownership of it in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas steven would have come into star wars it was fully you know 20 years into or 30 years into it being george's thing right you know and i I, he's like i don't want to step right 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 well even i I don't even mean necessarily steven spielberg just somebody right (laughs) with with a bit of a, a directorial prowess right you know what i mean a natural directorial someone who can work with people really easily I feel like George is an awkward almost kind of autistic kind of guy who can't relate with people well so it makes it difficult for. that's why Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford are ragging on him the whole time right you know, so, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess that's my two cents on that. I, I, we can go on and on. But. By the
0: time you get to um, Phantom Menace and George's directing, again, one, you've got a 22-year gap from when he's directed anything. And two, he's so into tech now. And he's also, right. he's a billionaire now. Right. He's yeah. He has all of these People and I—I I don't. I'm not just picking on him. I don't think it's good for anybody in any position right. to have yes men around them because then right. you don't see any, you don't question any of your decisions. <laughs> right. And um, so by the time we get to there, I think George was so concentrated on. I already got the story laid out and the lines on the page. All I need to do is hear those lines. I'm concentrating on the tech that's going to go on behind them. And I right. think that you feel that in some of the acting because the people are just like, I, I need direction on this. You know? Yeah. Should I say right. that line right. differently? And George probably heard the line and goes, nope, good job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Right.
1: Uh, also, we're getting real thick into the CG era, and this movie is
0: CG'd out right. the ass, right? But not you know, as much know. as what comes next, because he's right, still shooting true. on film, and he actually so, so, shoots yeah, in he's... certain locations outside. Right.
1: And then c- kind of backdrops, right. fills in the gaps with CG. Right. But I guess what I'm saying, when you have a ton of blue screen right. or green screen, whatever they're using, it's harder for an actor to get into the spirit of stuff, right. you know what I mean? So it's e- Because they're... They're they're acting to curtains.
0: Right, they're (laughs) acting to a blue backdrop or green backdrop, whereas Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford at least had puppets to look at or a real cantina to operate in and people in masks and stuff. And, And these people, literally, they said... This tennis ball is going to be the eye line you need to look into this character that's not here, and <laughs> right. we don't know what he's going to look like. <laughs> right, right, right. And you have very good actors, are mostly very good actors. I mean, you you you're bringing in Liam Neeson, who's amazing in the movie. You're right. bringing in even um, McGregor, and who's fantastic, at bringing his A yeah. game to this. And and even Natalie Portman's coming off of a lot of really great roles. She, I just think. A lot of uh, Liam Neeson, I think, is kind of like, whatever, I'll do whatever I'm told kind of thing. And he comes in and he does it and he gives a lot of heart to it. Uh, And then Ewan McGregor, he has a lot of spunk to him, which is great for that role. And he doesn't have a whole lot to say or do. So he's mainly just you see his enthusiasm coming through, whether it's anger or something like that. So that's easy to to really to get across on screen, but when you have someone like a young boy like Jake Lloyd and you have someone young like Natalie Portman was, I think it's hard to tell them, show me emotion through these clunky lines. I think, you know, if we're going to get into some of the gripes, one
1: the what, the other gripe is casting Anakin to be eight years old at that point. Right.
4: Are you an angel?
1: Which I, I really don't... I don't know if that was the original intent and then he dumbed it down kind of like he did with... Return of the Jedi, it was supposed to be uh, the ending battle on Endor was supposed to be actually Kashyyyk and Wookiees, right, right. and then he thought, well, why don't I just make these teddy bear things, and then we'll appeal to kids more, we'll and some more more toys, more toys yeah. right? So he does it again with uh, Anakin's character, and dumbs him down to a, even, like, a, a relatable... Uh, a pre adolescent boy, and it makes it really clunky. Right, it makes it
0: clunky. <laughs> so, kids who are Jake Lloyd's age or under are all, oh yeah, this is fine. Yeah. But everyone who's fans of the original trilogy go see it, they're just like, what is this? Yeah.
2: Now, this is pond racing.
0: And then
1: Amadala is like 12 or right. 13, and she's, he's eight, <laughs> right. and they're supposed to get married later on. They're... Right. Yeah it, it, yeah, it was, it was just little, weird. It's a little awkward. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of like when you find out Luke and Leia kiss right. each other. You know, they find out later on they're brother and sister. You're like, oh wait a uh, minute. <laughs> I I think the, the the two biggest struggles in that movie are that and the Jar Jar Binks
0: character. <laughs> right. right, How rude. Jar Jar yeah. is definitely the uh, a, a giant leap forward in technology, no doubt. I will yes. give that to him a hundred percent. There's
1: a reason for that. He is the first fully realized CG character on film right yeah there hadn't been one before (laughs)
0: that and so George again that's I think that's George's eye on tech more than character and I think he knew well you know with the original trilogy we had C-3PO bumbling around saying corny lines and stuff and making the kids laugh and that's uh, his attention seems to go towards I have this very adult political theme behind this story that's an overarching story over this whole prequel trilogy but kids I don't want them to get bored, so let's put some poodoo jokes and some uh, yeah, you know, right. some, some weird Jar Jar stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so that's where it starts to kind of get a little disjointed when you're really into one part of the story and then you have to meander through some of the yeah. other stuff. This slapsticky tripping
1: down falling jokes and <laughs> and it's it's really and it's just the annoying way in which that character is portrayed and right you know we know we all know that the actor Ahmad Best went through hell and all yeah. that and that's that's not fair no it's that's terrible. it's terrible yeah he's been redeemed recently but well I you know that's a spoiler thing I won't uh, talk about that too much right so outside of all those definite negative things that I I still personally really enjoyed the movie right um, did
0: you see it opening day no okay
1: no and I was never much of an opening day person okay I always like to wait a couple weeks just to kind of I gotcha Give it a little bit of time to die down So and I had heard from a lot of people You know oh I don't know you're like this is Great but this sucks and this is great and this right. You know whatever oh and I was also Doing the thing at that time where If I go because I was going to the Movies quite a bit if there was a trailer Coming on I would plug my ears And <laughs> close my eyes <laughs> right. and, and make sure the person next to me Would uh, tell me when the trailer Was over because I wanted to be 100% Fresh when the Phantom Menace came right and, and and not have seen anything at all right and
0: i managed to do that so this was at the beginning of that time this was before marvel stuff and schneider cuts yeah. and all of that right. stuff became right, right. such huge i remember sitting in the water boy when that came right. out and the phantom menace was one of the trailers in front of the water boy oh, okay and people paying money to see the water boy coming out, watching the trailer it's trailer and, and the then dream. leaving <laughs> right and and then right. At the screening I went to to see the Water Boy, they played the Phantom Menace trailer. Everyone went fucking nuts, and it was an amazing trailer. I remember, like, wow, this trailer just gave me... I still have never seen it. (laughs) Really? That's hilarious. So they did that. Everyone watched the Waterboy, and while the credits were going, people were getting ready to get up and get out. One of the people from the theater came in and said, we're going to play the Star Wars trailer again at the end if you guys want to stay and watch the trailer one more time. And everyone was like, what? and then went and said that now.
1: That's genius. <laughs> That's smart
4: thinking, right. Right. right? So Gatorade. H2O. Gatorade. H2O.
0: Water sucks.
1: Yeah, I waited a few weeks and um, you know, I'm also like, you know, Star Wars dork, so I'm pretty much just fully gushing. Right. At the whole thing. And then, you know, even in the opening scenes and seeing uh, Qui Gon and
3: Obi Wan.
4: I have a bad feeling about this.
1: We've talked about it in like the Fight Club episode and all of uh, some of the future show stuff where in this time period is when Chinese martial arts had exploded in, in American culture. Right. You know, and Jackie Chan had become a big thing. Right. And, and Jet Li had become a big thing. So to see that they had taken the Jedi uh, uh, abilities or whatever, right. they're, they're, you know, in full recognized uh t- top form and, and, and kinda do a wushu fighting style, I loved it. Right. Fucking loved it. Right. Yeah.
0: I I saw it opening day and waited in a big long line, got in, and I remember just having chills when that yeah. opening scroll came up. Yeah. You know, yeah. And yes. the music. You know, it was just like what it's a new start. Like everything beyond yeah. the opening, boom, like I yeah. don't know what's going to oh, happen. Every time, right.
1: yeah. when, every time they do that, yeah. Every time they do that, you know, the start. oh god, yeah. Yep, that gets me every time. Yeah, I get a little a Yep. <laughs> oh, I know. And just to be able to realize that you're seeing, you know, after how many times you've watched yeah. the original trilogy over and over and right. over and, and over and bought it like again, again and again and <laughs> finally finally going to see some new material right. in this
0: universe, and it was so exciting. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't know when the fight scene's going to happen. I don't know when someone's going to do something in Jedi or reveal something or what character it's going to be. All of this stuff is new coming at you. And so I know I, d- I loved it. I knew I didn't yeah. process it at the time of, what I didn't like, I knew that I felt right. it felt a little off here and there. But exactly by the time it ended again, I was just like, that was a Star Wars film, and I had a great time. Yeah. And then going right. back to see it, thinking, right, okay, the cracks start. To okay. Come okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is what people, yeah. right? All right.
1: All right. This is this kid's right. kind of <laughs> sucks at <laughs> what he's doing, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> right. Right.
4: <laughs> when the storm is over, I'll show you my
0: racer. I'm building a pod racer.
1: Yeah and, and you know I, of course nowadays you see you know a CG heavy movie right. and it has that cartoony anime oh, yeah. this was the First one that was really yeah. you were seeing, so you you were caught up in it. You don't see that kind of cartoony animated look, right? You, you know, what and I
0: mean? you don't even care that there's another
1: big fish. There's
2: always a bigger fish.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. there's two. Yeah, you're like, wait a second.
0: <laughs> did the did the film you just skip? got away from one of the, the big fish, <laughs> and then it's just it's the same threat twice? <laughs> but as time went on with this film, the thing that happened because it was such a huge film, and I think I've even said it on a previous episode, I think that the movie ended up. Up being the most successful of all the prequel movies that came out yeah. is because people yes. kept going back thinking wait a minute, did I like it or did I not like it? <laughs> I'm going to go see <laughs> right. it one more time just to make sure I did it. Yeah, right, right. Well, that and, like you said, the
1: anticipation right. of a new Star yeah. Wars
0: film. You know? Fuck it, there's another Star Wars movie out. I'm going to see it again kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, getting to see it with THX sound and with right. everything behind it. You know, this Lucas did not skimp. He threw the whole toy chest at you in the movie. Well, and some of the things,
1: you know, when you were talking about you know the yes men he has around him and all that stuff, right? His designers though, his designers, they, they, he would he would tell them kind of the gist of what he would want, and then they would go out and do two or three versions of it and bring it back, and then he would review them all and say, "This is probably the one right here, but let's make a few changes, you know, th- this, that, right. and that." And and uh, I think that. Is a good system Yeah That system worked out Because all of All of the surrounding material In The Phantom Menace Is fucking rad yeah. And I'll tell you So the sound design Star Wars has always been About its <laughs> Sound design yes. Ben Burt And all the, the cool shit yep. He did with cables And mm. making the Scuba mask Darth Vader noise And all yeah. that shit <gasps> When we get to the pod race and you start hearing those fucking pod, those different engines and the way they sound,
2: God
0: damn it, that shit is cool. That is, hands down, I remember being in the theater and watching it and just thinking, this is the fucking coolest thing
1: ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Right, and, and it's one of those little, like... Realizing and seeing something that was just barely mentioned in the original movie when uh, Luke Skywalker talks about being in the uh, pod race or whatever. Right. And then we get to see what this pod race is all about on Tatooine. Right. And that character, uh, Sepulba. Simbo Wampa! Who's the reigning champion. Right. One, he's a cool-ass design-looking dude. Right. You know, he's obviously a bad guy. You know, he walks on his hands and uses his feet as his hands. Right, right. But he has that huge engines on the pod yeah. racer that are kind of like X shaped and all, and they have that pulsing jet sound that's. Right. It gives me fucking goosebumps just talking Yep. About it. <laughs> As it goes right. by, and it's fucking the coolest oh, thing. Man, oh, man, I love that, yeah. It made me want to get surround sound for the house. When and it sounds that.
0: amazing at your place yeah. when I heard it then, too. Yeah. Um, yeah and uh, so you get all of these things you can definitely see where story was really concentrated on and then there's patches of glue holding this oh i need this to get to here i need to get to this from this battle to this pod race here's something to make it stick together kind of thing you know well here's what it is though i think george had it
1: all in his head he had it all in his head you know sometimes when you're thinking something And you're thinking something really dense right. And then you start talking about it And then when you're done talking about it You realize I only said Yeah I verbalized yeah. about 20% <laughs> of what I was trying to say And I feel like that's what happened with right. these movies Because it's in later reflection of these films When Dave Filoni's filling in the gaps yeah. And all this stuff You're like oh there's really a great story right. in here there really is. We need and a
0: season one. <laughs> right. Yeah, right.
1: And and, and Or, you know, him, even just him talking about the crux yeah. of episode one, which is essentially Qui-Gon Jinn was supposed to be the one who trained Anakin from, you know, because he was the one that took him on, that wanted to take him right. on. Qui-Gon was also a rebel. He's not a card-carrying Jedi Council member <laughs> right. type. He kind of he lives on the fringe, and he believes in the living force, which is something different from what the the other guys like. Uh, are all part of the council, like Mace Windu, and even Obi Wan is a young version of that, right. which is too much to Qui Gon's chagrin. Right, he's very much a by the book kind of man, and it's going to take that type of fluid approach to the force to be able to. Harness the abilities of Anakin, right? Because of Yoda's concern, he started at an older age. He started too late, right? You know, and but Qui-Gon knows if I can just you give me the time with him. I, you know, you're thinking in this very right. rhythmic Jedi way. I'm thinking in this very fluid Jedi way. I can do
0: this, right? And then, boom, Darth Maul kills him. Right. <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? And you're like, oh, and no. And that, that's that stuff, like you're saying. You see it a little bit of how you're talking about how he is on the fringe, and he's not a card yeah. carrier and everything. But the thing that's so beautiful about what we were talking about, Tales of Jedi, is it shows him right. seeing Dooku doing these things. Right. But kind of siding with both. We should say that Dooku was his
1: master, right. and Qui-Gon, he was trained by Dooku, right. right? And Obi-Wan was trained by Qui-Gon, so there's this series, right. right? So when Dooku's also, like you said, on the fringe, he never was part of the council right. or anything. He thought for himself, in a way, you know? He wasn't a company man. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The
2: Force is strong with him.
1: He is to be trained, then? No. He will not be
2: trained. No. He's too old He is the chosen one You must see it hmm. Clouded this boy's future is
1: That's the moment right yeah. there That Anakin is lost to the dark side yep. And you don't know it It just takes a really long time to happen right. But that's the first part of it That's and, and, and that's the crux
0: of the entire fucking movie Right because he doesn't feel accepted. Right. He's standing before the Jedi Council. They are rejecting him. But a Jedi yeah. is going against the Jedi, saying, "I'm going to train you." Fuck them. I'm going to train you. Yeah.
1: And Obi Wan, who is the next closest to him, doesn't even want a, right. agree, believe in it. He's more on the Mace right. Windu side of things. Like, I don't think this kid should. We're. Right, it's worth the time.
0: And and being that you mentioned it, we've already talked a little bit about Mace Windu, but they get Sam Jackson in on this one. Just yeah, and that's right. another part of that casting that I guess you do. You go in and you're like, that's Sam Jackson, that's Pulp Fiction, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but you do see this different side, I think, to Sam than you do in any other part that he's ever played. Yes. He's very uh, direct right. and straight.
1: He's not playing to the, his culture right, at all. No. You know what I mean? Which is Sam, the, a lot of Sam Jackson's characters are very much about his bravado. Right. You know, this guy's by the book, yep. like he said, card-carrying yep. Jedi. We got to do it. This—that's what becomes the downfall of the Jedi right. in the first place. But they don't know it at the time.
2: My only conclusion can be that it
1: was a Sith Lord.
4: I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing. Ah hard to see the dark side is we will use all our resources to unravel this mystery we will discover the identity of your
2: attacker may the force be with you
0: so these little tiny bits that Sam gets in all of these films of we're going about to talk about he does something really undertone really plays yeah. it very minute and I right. think that that gives so much room and so much to the actor that ends up taking on the voice when we get to the Clone Wars to play right. around with to play with yeah. his character a bit more but still see someone like Sam Jackson take it on and, and also keep this minute acting to a very horrible looking Yoda puppet <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, little, some of the younger viewers might not know this, they, but the original theatrical release of Phantom Menace, the Yoda, was another puppet like they had done in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Right. Because it worked so well then, why wouldn't it work in Phantom Menace? And they had to de-age him by, what, uh, 30, 20 years, yeah. which wouldn't have been much no. in an 800-year lifespan. No. But they do. They, they
0: he, he just he looks like this weird plastic. <laughs> he looks like a toy. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a toy. Whereas when when you watch Empire and Jedi to this day, you're just like, that's amazing what they did with that. You know. Yeah, with a puppet, yeah. right. You get so much out of it. It has that kind of foam, yeah, uh, almost terry cloth look to right. it. You know
1: what I mean. Whereas some, for some reason, the one in the theatrical release of the Phantom Menace looked like a plastic right. version of it, him, and it was very stiff looking. It was jarring. Yeah, it was if jarring. If there was anything,
0: right. my first reaction to even all of the Jake Lloyd stuff and Jar Jar stuff, I don't think yeah. I was as jarred by that as in the theater watching and seeing that Yoda and being like, "Oh my right. god."
1: Yeah, something's weird yeah. with him.
0: It sounded right because you get Frank Oz back. Yeah, it is Frank Oz. But he, it, it, I was
1: going to say, the other thing, though, is that it is a more serious, more, uh, again, a company man Yoda. It's yeah. not the playful, you know, brash, playful, right. uh, little smart ass that we met <laughs> right. in the original movies, right? When 900 years old you reach, look as good you are not, hmm? It's more of the, I got a lot on my shoulders here. Right i gotta be serious right so by the time these things get their dvd release and now on their disney plus release and all that stuff the cg version that they did for attack of the clones and uh revenge of the sith right. ended up replacing the you know overlaid or whatever yeah. rotoscoped in the, the, the a cg overlay so we don't have to suffer through that anymore so it looks just like the puppet it looks amazing right It does, yeah. The CG version of it is really good. Right. Yeah, there was something... Think about the way they made him look younger. It ruined. Yeah. And they probably really didn't need to do much of anything. No. You know. One of the biggest positives I think anybody, even the biggest haters Mm. of the movie, would agree with us on is the introduction of Darth Maul. And and that character is fantastic fucking dope-ass shit. Yep. But, uh, you know, he gets another chump death just like <laughs> Boba Fett did in Return of the Jedi, which, you know, it sucks. He, he dies quickly. Right. What the... But he served his purpose, right? Right. I mean, in the we don't know it at the time. Right. But he served a huge purpose to the story because then that sets up Count Dooku and this right. whole or they're trying to create this overarching story of uh uh you know Dooku has to replace Darth Maul and he's already an old man as as uh, Palpatine's apprentice, so right. you know, the Sith only come in twos, a master and an apprentice, right? So right. and the whole reason all this exists is because palpatine foresaw anakin as the coming chosen one and wanted him for himself right that's what this whole thing is about and that kind of lends to the title too right what is the phantom menace the phantom menace is Sheev palpatine right right
0: the republic is not what it once was the senate is full of greedy squabbling delegates so seeing in this movie seeing the I remember being fascinated by the game that he's playing yeah. he's, the little chess game that goes over all these movies that you know, I'm moving a little closer here a little I'm moving all of my pawns into right. where I need them to be and and uh so loving him as uh, Palpatine in this And seeing well, And that
1: that was one of the biggest gripes Was this movie is too much about Star Wars politics Nobody wants to watch yeah. politics And Who I'm cares? like uh, yeah. I, Actually it's a part of you, I thought it was very interesting Because they yeah. always alluded to the Galactic Senate And right. you know One of the first big things that happens In the Imperial base in episode 4 Is you know uh, Peter Cushing's uh, grandma Moff Talkin Comes in and says "I We've just got word that the galactic senate has been finally absolved and all that stuff and you're like "Ooh, wow the galactic senate right here we're getting to see about it and if you don't tell this part of the story you don't
0: really set up the whole rest
1: of the universe you know and why there's a rebellion so you have to tell that shit
0: right and i remember also while watching it being a little off-put and i see it differently now but being a little off-put like when Qui-Gon is like, because it's a monumental moment when Qui-Gon sees a Sith. Yeah. Sith has not been seen. Right. They're this thing that we hear stories about. Right, right. It's like going up to someone. It's like me going to you and saying, hey, I saw Bigfoot today. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, And it's when he goes to the council and they're just like what? You know, like questioning him, like (laughs) really? I remember being off put by that when I first saw it, but now seeing it and thinking about it all all these years later, I'm just like, well, yeah, it makes total sense. They're just like, well, maybe you saw someone. Yeah. But I, you know, when, when Lucas uh, asked
1: that, like I was just saying, he had all these designers and creators. um, Right. When they asked him to create this particular, you know, who's going to be the Sith that we see in this. He said he wanted it to be the pure a demon. He wanted it to be the devil incarnated. And right. um, you know, one of if you look at one of the original, um, I think I talked about this in the villains uh, episode. One of the original drawings was a female character with the red, long, stringy hair, and right. that kind of ended up being kind of uh, like in the part of the night sisters thing whatever and but that's kind of the character that they he said okay that but maybe a little more de- demonic looking and then they add the horns and the right the the red and black uh uh tattooing and all that stuff like i talked about he's right. a zabrik of jorthamir
0: right and here's the thing you see those what you're talking about anyone can create like a drawing a piece of art yeah that can look demonic and mean, and, and encompass a lot in a in a drawing, uh, a piece of art that you hold up and go, "Yeah, I want it to look like that." But if you don't, if you put that on film and don't have the right person underneath it, right, it can really fall apart. And the fact that they got the right person underneath right. it, I think, is pivotal. Which is Ray Park, and
1: he was right. a kind of a a martial artist uh, a choreographer, and and he's the one that helped kind of him and that other. There's another famous uh, swordplay choreographer that those guys worked with to develop all that swordplay we
3: were we were playing we were big kids mm-hmm. and uh, to sort of be part of star wars and and play fight every day oh, that's you know the that's, best. it was it was a lot of fun you know and, and and we also played a lot of video games at that time we were playing soul Calibur. so some days we would come in and reenact those soul Calibur moves
0: just to make it fun
1: because you you know this is a time where luckily it's a character who's mysterious and only has right. like one line in the whole movie. He right. only says like one thing in the whole movie. So you don't really need much of an actor. You just need to have a presence. Right. And he gives it. He, yeah, he does. And he has that physicality too, to be able to, you know, doing those, you know, very aerobatic kind of wushu right. uh, fighting moves.
0: Right. And it's all play. Now you see it in one of the newer star Wars films, the double bladed saber. Yeah. People are like, Oh yeah. Right, but that was the first. You time. don't know how yeah. special that was when <laughs> you had that to see thing the other did that in up. the
4: movie. Yeah, it You're was like a big reveal.
0: Shit! Yeah.
1: yeah, right. And just to hear it, you know, him spinning it around his yeah. back and all that shit, yeah. double fighting. Just to
0: see how much movement went into the fighting and yeah. choreography went into the fighting, because you're looking at the first Jedi in tons of years. By the time we're seeing a fight between them, you know, Obi Wan is in his what 60s, 80s, yeah. something like that. Yeah. By the time we see him fight Darth Vader, right. and they're both moving very stiffly. Right. Right. Understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one is not. In the only like one
1: fourth human (laughs) and (laughs) the other one is uh, uh, you know an old man at that point you know right plus he's also wise enough to where he's he's also they show this in some of the rebels uh, evolution uh, that he evolves into a
0: more uh, almost samurai like less is more kind of movement kind of thing right you know and so I don't even think Lucas gets enough credit for this decision is to I want to do Opposite Darth Vader. Yeah. I want to go as far away from that as I can. What's the opposite spectrum of that? Still evil, of course, but. What, one of the most physically
1: capable
0: uh, right. humanoids we could have. Right. right. Yeah. Fast and agile. He doesn't need an apparatus, a breathing thing. Yeah, or it, thought, it, yeah it, that it, was a
1: really good call to do that. Right.
3: We were trying to create somebody who could compete with Darth Vader and in researching evil, what we found was that a lot of evil characters have horns. So we certainly pulled from that. And the way he looks should evoke fear. And um, I mean, I didn't want to create a monster-type character. Not fear like that. Not grotesque. But uh, something you felt on an emotional level, that kind of fear. His look just makes you want to walk the other way. Because even in a lot of the legend stuff that had come up
1: uh, in years prior to these prequels and all that stuff, you have, like, Darth Malik or something like that. All He has the, he has the gray skin and the breathing right. apparatus and all that stuff. Everybody kept, in the legend Carpet. stuff, they kept trying to... Every bad guy had to have a Darth Vader-like presence, and right. the fact that Darth Maul did not have that, you know, uh, made it cool. Yep. You know, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have
0: revenge. And so, just to start to wind down with the movie a bit, so we can move on. But uh, the thing that. I think is brilliant is that in this you really get the center character with Qui-Gon mm-hmm. who is really the heart of this movie. Mm-hmm. Look,
3: I'm very proud of the film. I got to be a Jedi, got to play with uh, those wonderful lightsabers
0: and stuff and uh it was it was terrific now. It really was, you know. And you have Obi-Wan who has essences. You can see even peppering in a little bit of Alec Guinness yeah. in there. Just a little bit to, hello, and yeah. stuff like that. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. But he's also, mm, I want to go, I want to go. And you you in the past have made a great allusion to the this fight at the end uh, where you right. see everyone's fighting style.
1: Yeah. Right when they get separated by the ray shields, kind of thing, the, right. the, the, the embodiment of where they are in their training is kind of comes through, and who they are as. Right. So you have the the walls come down, and it separates Obi Wan from Qui Gon to. Darth Maul, Darth Maul right. are right on the opposite side of each other, and then there's several walls in between. Obi Wan's caught way in the back, and right. Obi Wan is the you know young, inexperienced, and eager. He's back there, he's pacing around, he's like, "Oh Jesus, I gotta, I gotta right. help! I gotta help! I can't, you know." And and Qui Gon right. sees himself, you know, he's he's a master Jedi, you know, he just fucking uh, gets down on his knees and starts meditating. He's like, "There's nothing I can do in this moment, but wait. So let me just prepare myself." And, right. and then, you know, to be a Sith Is, you know, you have everything that a Jedi Has, but then you embrace Everything Dark, right? Evil, right. anger Hatred, all that stuff right. and, and Darth Maul is, is the embodiment Of that, as he's He's he just so Already angry mm-hmm. Just that these guys are There, you know what I mean? And uh, he th- he's pacing back and forth with this Fucking grimace on his face, and he's you know the, the sabers hitting the, the shield and all that stuff and it's, it's so cool just the, that rage yeah. pr- personified because it because because yeah. then it, it, it brings his look to life as well you know what i mean
0: right you can even see him testing the boundaries of it's can this thing stop my my R- saber yeah, from going right. through it to stab you and right. he, he, he can't yeah, so yeah. you can see him just oh man i yeah these opposite opposing i can't wait to fucking kill you Is what <laughs> right, he's basically exactly. saying <laughs> And then there is debate out there. Yeah, I hear people talking left and right. And what did you think when you were in the theater and you saw? Was Qui Gon sitting down to prepare himself for death, or was he was he contemplating, "I'm saving my energy, like you're saying," and once this goes down, then we'll continue the fight and we'll see where it goes from there. I don't think he. I don't think he was preparing for death. Because I think you can see the surprise on his
1: yeah. face when he gets that's bats the big in thing, the face. Right? That's, right. that's one of it. He gets bats in the face and he gets surprised. Two, he had every intention of training Anakin to adulthood. Right. So, no, he was not preparing for death. It's. I right. think that's just a reading too deeply into what he's doing. Right. I think the, literally it's just the, the monk's perspective there's nothing i can do in this situation so why right. push any efforts you know why you know the young guy back there antsy jumping around right i'm older than him i'm wiser than him he's wasting energy he has right. energy to waste cuz he's young Right. i'm an old guy right. i'm just going to calm the fuck down <laughs> right wait for my opportunity that's what a like a, a sage monk would do you know right. what i mean Right, that's kind of the, the the kind of Shaolin monk attitude of it, because originally, you know, there's a like you were saying, Kurosawa was a huge uh, influence on um, yeah George Lucas, and so uh, you know, the samurai is a big part of of what the Jedi, the original Jedi lore was. But then, as it grew on and on and on, there, that whole Chinese side of it kind of came into it, especially with this. Young, you know, showing that in this time period of Jackie Chan and all that stuff with that fighting style, that was very right. much like an acrobatic Kung Fu uh, type fighting. So right. then the Jedi also kind of like, okay, so they're you know, we're not just taking this one Eastern philosophy. We're going to take a couple Eastern
0: philosophies and combine right. them together. That's that thing, too, I was talking about, too. I think it's very smart of George where he said, yeah, we're, there is going to be essences of Buddhism. Right. And then, you know, Anakin is born of the spirit like Christ. Yeah, and, right. You yeah, know, right. the, the, the chosen One. I and guess the, we should uh, talk
1: about that because that is a big before we right. leave Phantom Menace. So right. the, George does introduce the bio mechanism for why some people are stronger with the force than the others. And that's these uh, little tiny organisms that are basically uh, like sentient a, yeah yeah By the way he describes it yeah there are sentient beings they're little tiny uh animals that live inside us little single-celled right. organisms maybe that are very strong you know with with the force i guess right and so the more of them you genetically have the more force wielding you can be
3: bringing midichlorians into it as a device is something that existed from the beginning but i would never really had the time to go into any explanation because every time these rather larger concepts Come into play, You know, how does the galaxy work? You know What is the Force? All this kind of stuff. You have to be very sort of cryptic and deal in fortune cookie descriptions of things, and so it's very difficult to get a concept across, but I figured in this whole movie I could begin to bring out the, the idea of midichlorians and their job in being sensitive to the Force and why some people are more susceptible to the Force and, than others. Uh, what is the device that's, that causes that to happen? And I also like the idea of this symbiotic relationships, which is, a, I mean, again, an ongoing theme in the whole movie of people helping people, that there may be a completely different race of life form that lives inside your body, uh, completely independent of you, but has some influence over you.
1: And that was one of the things. So when Qui-Gon uh, talks to Shmi Skywalker about... You know, where, who's the boy's father and all that stuff. She said, there isn't one. I was just pregnant one day. Yeah. And then they're basically saying it's the force bringing this prophecy to life, you know, immaculately right. that she just became pregnant. And that right. is that explains why his uh, metachlorian uh, count is so super high because he
0: cause right. Qui-Gon says to Obi-Wan it's higher than Yoda's <laughs> right right. and George Lucas after this film had come out had went into very serious detail and it was even apparently a part of further stories that he wanted right. to tell right. of the life beings inside the force that live in us and that's a whole world and yeah. all of this stuff he, he talks about that and everything and it I remember seeing it in the theater and not liking it. I didn't like that there was a, well, you have this many, so you're better than this person, you know. But in my mind, seeing the other films, it was always this thing of you train to be a Jedi, you know know what I mean? And then this puts a counterbalance to that. This is kind of like no matter how hard I train, if I don't have those.
1: But there is kind of truth to that in the real world in that, you know, you think of somebody who's a trained fighter or trained. Well, let's, let's talk about boxing, right? Right. You talk about trained boxing. You have all these champions over the years. Some of them are trained really hard to get where they are. And then there's a few of those weird ones that just have this natural thing on top of the training they put into it. And you got your Muhammad Ali's and your Mike Tyson's right. Right. They have that something extra that propels them way above everybody else around them. And that, That's George's perspective, I guess. No,
0: no, no, and and that's what I mean. When I I remember seeing it in the theater and not liking it, rejecting it, thinking I hate it. Yeah, I think I felt the same way. Over the years, though, that perspective you were just saying, I was like, well, I get where he's coming from. Not that I wholeheartedly back it 100%, but I see more in it than I did then. And instead of just, I don't like it, I reject it kind of thing. Right. Because originally, I think you think,
1: well, because of the fact that Yoda's 800 years old, he's had that much time to train. Right. That's why he's so powerful with it. But then it turns out it's more of a species thing. And then you also have to, uh, well, how do you explain why is Darth Vader so fucking powerful? Why is he so powerful? He's just a human guy and he's barely even human anymore. Right. Because as a full-fledged human, he was above everybody else. And then, you know, he loses his limbs. Mm -hmm. He still, (laughs) he was so much far ahead of everybody else naturally that he's Mm. still that much better without arms and legs. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, yeah, there is something about it. When you do kind of quantify it in that way, you take out that sort of uh, almost Eastern philosophy mysticism. You know right. what I mean? And and, yep. and kind of make a... Uh, so, yeah, I, I I guess it's it goes both ways for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, now it does. Yeah. Like, yeah, So then versus now is basically how I was, was looking at it right then. And, yeah, yeah. And, and an instant rejection thing, which I think goes with youth. And then as yeah. you get older, you can start to kind of see a little bit more perspective on right. many different things. But uh, one thing before we get off the, that came in... That uh, I thought was phenomenal is you bring back from the original trilogy, you bring back another big, big player, John Williams, and he comes in oh, with the Duel of Fates yeah. in this, yeah. and that thing Jesus. just is amazing. Right.
3: John Williams is such a masterful man of music that luckily for me, I can show him the film we have shot, and without saying or uh, uh, instructing any ideas of my own, he can go in and make a mediocre scene phenomenal.
0: It was one of those things that was so big at the time, and this hardly ever happened, that something of an orchestra piece, right. this big classical musical thing, can hit the top charts. Right. And has a music video and all of this stuff. It's just, <laughs> you hear that song.
2: Yeah.
1: Overall, the the movie, like George says in his commentaries, you know, the movie has to kind of be what it is, love it or not. Right. It has to entertain singularly. Well, he's yeah, but pe- so many people are mad at it. But what it ha- it has two jobs to do. Yes, entertain, and maybe it didn't. But it's also setting up. The entire, you, the entire episodes from here on out because it's the first episode of the saga. So that's why there's the politics and the, all that. But, you know, again, I wasn't uh, I wasn't bothered at all by the. And even then, when people said it back in like 1999 or 2000, with, there was too much politics that annoyed me that they said that I'm like, but they have to. You have to know it's telling what well, it would be an empty blank story without substance if that wasn't in there right so yeah
0: yeah so yeah you know you totally get what he's you know like like you're saying in the commentary he's saying you have to entertain with a single piece of entertainment which is you go see this movie you have a good time but that movie has a double job which is setting up all these movies that's coming and all the movies that's come before it right
1: yeah I guess look going just to recap my two my gripes are Jar Jar Binks is annoying as fuck I would uh, right. Jake Lloyd is too young and he should have been closer to uh, a, 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 like a 12, 13 year old, like yep. close to Amadala's age. Yep. Uh, you know, if they could have gotten Hayden Christians then I guess, rather right. than, rather right. than uh, stardom so much younger and uh, right. uh, just for continuity's sake as well. And um, yeah. yeah, just a little bit of the clunky dialogue was a little rough, but right. Overall, yeah. I still, I will rewatch this and have a good time with it.
0: A good, yeah, I, it's one of those ones that, especially with Dave massaging the story right. as we go along, becomes more rich and more rich with each viewing. Now, having that, what they're adding now, right, which is which is unusual, right, but amazing, and I hope that they can keep doing that.
1: Yeah, like I said, it, it, it's him, him kind of even just fleshing out what the crux of the movie was because right. I never even saw it until he said it I never right. the, the whole thing about Qui-Gon supposed, supposed to be the guy and then Obi-Wan reluctantly has to take over and then you know the kids battle is lost at that point point. And, and for whatever re- I, I guess that's kind of where I was earlier on when I was talking about uh, George George's direction probably Right. Missed the boat on that 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 could have been better More eloquently explained I believe it was in his head The only reason Dave Filoni knows that Is because him and George talked about it Right. So I guess that's why I think it maybe in a better director's hands That might have come through a little more clear And I wouldn't have right. had to have Dave Filoni 20 years later say that to me And then finally the big bell goes off In my head <laughs> oh, right. That's what
0: the whole movie is The whole movie is about that And then my my gripes with the film was the same thing. The Jar Jar, I was like, okay, because especially when you're cutting between I want to see the saber fight, and you're cutting to Jar Jar on the battlefield, it's like, like, I don't give a fuck about what is going on here. Get back to that. And it's tonally off balance. It puts you tonally off balance when you see Qui-Gon die, and then you're back to Jar Jar hijinks. Oops. Blowing up tanks by accident. Em- yeah. Yeah. Right. It messes with your emotions like that. And then, yeah, the the, the uh, Jake Lloyd stuff and, and all of that. But uh, I, I have to say, even... After it came out and on, I was never I was more in favor of the film than not because I liked yeah. more about it yes. than I I didn't like. About. I could excuse the stuff enough. Yeah, you know, have fun with making fun of it a little bit here and there. But right, I liked what I liked enough about it that I was like, yeah, I, it has its issues, but I wouldn't throw it away. Right. No, I wouldn't either. And pushing forward, what you see George do is he does. He, as much as I think he doesn't want to have to, he does listen to the gripes of the audience enough to say, "Okay, Jar Jar, in this next one is going to be fixed." Yeah. But I'm going to do something else instead. (laughs) Right. And then you don't hear as much about metachlorians right. even though I think that's really big in his mind. Right. He, I think he sees enough to know, you know what, if that's going to sidetrack people from looking at the story, then we'll, we'll set it to the side a bit.
2: Hello, this is an
3: A.I. voice of James Earl Jones, If you are enjoying this podcast, Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet, please think about supporting it by doing something as simple
2: as rating it five stars on your preferred podcast platform and writing a review as well. It helps these poor geeky boys think they are not worthless. Also, if you want to reach out and ask a question to either Tim or Derek, you can do so by heading over to Instagram and looking the show up at TFTFP Podcast. Thank you for your time now. Back to more Nerd Talk.
0: So 1999 brings us the the first of the prequels. 2002, yeah, brings us Attack, Attack of, of the, the Clones. Clone. Do You remember hearing the title?
1: Oh, I remember thinking, oh, that's fucking rad. Yep. Because of that one, uh, another, it's another little tidbit from the original movie. Yep. Where uh, Obi Wan is talking to Luke, and he, he's, you know, he's telling him he knew his father. You know.
3: You fought in the Clone Wars. Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father.
1: Right. So you hear about the Clone Wars, and you're like, ooh, what the hell does that mean? What is the Clone Wars? Yeah,
0: your imagination explodes. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily come out the way I thought, but it's still, yeah, I I guess in your mind, you think it's clones warring against each other, right? right? But it ends up just being, you know, uh, the army of the clones, you know, against the army of the droids. This movie I remember really loving when it first came out. And yeah. I feel like of all of the original six, this is the one that has probably soured the most over time.
0: There's a lot of great stuff in A lot of great stuff. less great stuff in between not so great stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it, And again, you know, in the moment of 2002, and
1: I went and saw it in the right. theater like probably two or three times, Oh and yeah, me too. Uh, not given, I thought it was nope. far superior yep. to The Phantom Menace, right? Yep. Now I feel, kind of feel like it's on par with it, and uh, I don't hold it, and I, I, I probably am more prone to rewatch The Phantom Menace than I am Attack of the... Clones, right at this point in my Star Wars watching career, and I think it's you know, the this we we introduced Hayden Christensen as a more grown up uh Anakin uh, Skywalker, and uh, right, he got a lot of shit too back in the day. Oh, yeah, he's getting all the love now, (laughs) you know. But back in the day, he was you know, he's very wooden and a little yeah, stiff, and that's I don't think all his fault, you know. Again, we're this. What we were talking about, The Phantom Menace, was that, that having to work, act against green screen, clunky lines, and maybe not being able to fully buy into your environment makes right. it difficult. Right,
0: especially with this one, because this is where George just goes all out. Everything's green.
1: Yeah, right. The whole <laughs> Everything's thing, green. Right. Well, this is the one with, the uh, isn't it? You said it's
3: not film, right? It's, yeah, it's digital. It's digital.
1: Right. Right. So, yeah, it's all green screened. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, technically, we've gone to a whole different level, because now we're creating the films digitally, whereas before we were doing them analog. We, you know, we had to build sets, we had to have puppets, we had to everything had to be real on the set, and it was very clumsy to to go into a really f- large fantasy environment. We really couldn't do it. So the advantage I have on this film is that I'm able, through digital technology, to, to go to Coruscant, the head of the, you know, the home of the the Galactic Senate and see these giant things and you know, giant settings and and uh, have lots of digital characters, lots of different aliens of all different types uh, that can act and play scenes and do things that I couldn't do in the first three. So in that sense, uh, you know, I couldn't really go to this part of the galaxy without having sort of perfected the digital technology it takes to get there
0: yeah i remember loving this movie when i saw it but i did have a big sticking point in it and that is one i wish george would have wrote all of them at once Uh uh-huh episode one two and three all at once and then okay i have all these things because i think if he would have done it that way yeah we would have heard at least heard about Count Dooku uh-huh. in the first one. So when he shows up in this one, to me, this was one of those jarring things where, oh, he was a Jedi, but now he's gone. And, well, when did this happen? And oh, he <laughs> right. he, he he taught, he was the, the master Qui-Gon's for master. Qui-Gon. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I, that's interesting. Yeah. I would like to see that. Right. I would like to know something about that. So when you see all of them showing this kind of like oh it's count do like really responding to this character and you don't know anything about him but you just hear all this stuff i'm just like well that's stuff for plays that's right. not for movies show me don't tell me
2: the commerce guilds and the corporate alliance have both pledged their armies to count dooku and are forming a wait wait
1: i guess yeah what i will say in the same vein as what you're saying i found this one a little bit plot-wise confusing because I found it hard to f- understand what was Saifodius and what is Camino right. and and the clone army and that guy ten years ago. He, I don't, I didn't get that at all. And it, yeah. it took like three or four watchings of the movie to be yep. like, oh wait, okay, so there's this other guy that we're never going to meet because he's right. dead already. Right. And then the shit was hidden from the records, and then that's retconned in Tales of the Jedi, that's right. showing. Count Dooku had done that before he quit you know he's the one that erased Kamino from the the Jedi's uh, right star map yep
0: so you know so when you see that, like, yeah, I remember the same thing. I've been having a real hard time delineating. So, did we know about the clones, or did, and then someone just forgot about it, or it was never, it was intentionally hid because they didn't want anyone to be able to look through the, you know, how does this fit in, and how how do we know right. this is for good or for bad? and
1: Well, and I think what's happening is, is this is one of the things we left out of the Phantom Menace. I mean, we did talk about how Sheev Palpatine is the Phantom Menace, but basically, right. he's obviously, he's this powerful ass Sith, who has mm. the ability to kind of manipulate his future and everybody else's future, and to see what's coming and going, and he's playing this massive chess game. Right, and, and the advantage is is 100% stealth. Nobody knows he exists, and right. he's hiding in plain sight as this senator turned, you know, supreme chancellor by the end of this particular episode.
0: Right. And even when the greatest thing about that, it, from Phantom Menace and even in this one, when things that he needs are trying to be handed to him, he's like, no, right, he's trying right. to talk because he doesn't want it to be like, yes, give it to me. You right. know? People will be like, wait a minute, that guy's too, you know what I mean? He's, right. It's really smartly laid out
1: like that. But I guess with the, the bigger thing of what I'm trying to say is the part of the, I'm sure Sheev knew all about the clones and Kamino and all right. that stuff. And he's... He's playing that out to his advantage because he knows he's going to need that. He's also the one who set up the whole separatist. Uh, he egged on the separatists to start battling against the Republic and divide them in half so that it could create a war that would require an army. So, so you know, he's, he's playing this very deep chess game. Plus, he knows yeah. about the Chosen One. And, and once he hears Anakin might be the one, that's, he's already starting to groom that kid because he's building a personal relationship with him. At that yep. age And uh, kind of setting By he's, the oh.
0: end of Phantom Menace He's talking to him
1: Yeah exactly Right Because right. He, he knows he lost Maul And he's like well this is the one I really wanted anyway and I, but I gotta yeah. fill the gap and that's where the Dooku part comes in right as we mentioned yeah so um, that's the overarching theme through these three movies is that everybody's being manipulated by Palpatine right everybody is the entire fucking the Senate is the Jedi Council is and right. the individual
0: characters are yeah blind we
2: are if creation of this clone army we could
0: not see that's what I'm saying. All this stuff we're talking about is very dense, right? And it is hard to delineate. Like, where, oh, so where did the Dooku come from? And then they're throwing the Clone Wars out, and then that's a mystery. That Obi Wan is his thing to set up, and he has right. to go. Right in the out original and, movie,
1: you mean, yes. Right,
0: yeah, and he has to go out and find out what you know. What, what are these clone things? And we're also, on top of that, we're we're being shown that. Oh well, Queen Amidala now is in this new role that she's right. trying to do, and then Jar Jar is sidelined as a character to one scene, and, right. and 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 so all of these things are being thrown at you. And then, like I say, you have the little detective mystery thing that uh, Obi Wan is a part of, and then we have to bring in Jango Fett, and yeah, right. introduce his character, and, right. and all of that stuff. And to, and since we're missing out on Jar Jar in this, we have to bring back C-3PO, who Anakin designed in Phantom Menace. Oh all of yeah, a sudden. yeah, it's yeah. This is a small world. Yeah.
4: Now, where are you taking me? This is such a drag.
0: Well, here's the cool
1: connection, though, with the Django thing, right? Uh, so, right. obviously, when Boba Fett was originally designed, back in the, way back in the day, in the late 70s, Right. Uh, he was intended to be a super stormtrooper. That's what he was supposed to be. Right. Because the original costume, it, granted, the the video is in black and white, but it's a it's a sheer white costume. Just imagine mm. uh, a Mandalorian in sheer white with right. black adornments here and there. Right. So it, it was supposed to be, like I said, a super stormtrooper. Right. And then it, it it didn't work out or whatever, and then he saved the outfit for this Boba Fett character later on. Right. Right came out in the uh, cartoon in the Christmas special. Uh, Christmas special, film. right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that
4: crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby.
1: <laughs> so anyway, knowing that in from George's head, he's like, well, what if I made it that this particular character does end up being the supreme trooper by making him the genetic uh source for the clone army right right so that was kind of his little way of toying with that and i thought yeah that's kind of clever actually yeah no i do i love it he wanted it to be boba fett but boba fett would have been too young right so that he had to make it his father
0: right right i don't think that that is in any way like it wasn't something that stood out to me or I I was bothered by it or anything like that it was just one of those things that in this mystery unraveling you get to see oh this is where this character's lineage is starting to tie into how how are we gonna get Boba Fett and everything because George is very good about wanting to incorporate these things that shadow right something else, another event coming in whether it's, you know, in The Phantom Menace when Anakin's walking in his shadows casting, you know, the Darth Vader thing all of that stuff, he likes little things, no matter how broad or how how minor it is in the background he's very much about those little details
1: Yeah, then, you know um, obviously the the big set point of the plot here is that Anakin is assigned to protect you were saying she's Queen Amidala but it turns out that the Queen thing is, is an elected position apparently Right and she had served her term, so then she ended up being... She was supposed to retire and have children, I think is what George says. Right. right. But for some reason, because of the difficulties of with the Trade Federation and all that stuff, her talents were being called back to become a senator and still represent her planet. Right. So, uh, And then her life is being threatened, and uh, the Jedi Council assigns... Anakin to protect her, and of course, that's where they're gonna right. fall in love and all that.
4: From the moment I met you,
3: all those years ago, not a day has gone by when I
0: even thought of you. That's where the the most clunky stuff starts coming in, yeah. And it's unfortunate because, as we said, I think that the actors are capable, yeah. But I think that they just feel out of place, and maybe not... I, there
1: might have been a
0: chemistry issue too. I don't, You know what I mean? It might have been a chemistry issue, and I, I just think that here, you're stuck in this green room, yeah, and here's this clunky dialogue, yeah. and you have this guy who's a living legend and a billionaire, and has designed all this cool stuff. Do you really want to talk back to him? He's right. putting you in the coolest thing ever. Right. And so, you know, you probably just go in, you say your lines, you trust your director. You have to as an actor. You have to trust your director. Hey, am I saying these the way you want me to kind of thing? You know, and... And so, being that they're not so much Natalie Portman, because she was a child actor, but you know, Hayden Christensen's coming into this and he's just like, I'm playing this epic character. There's no way he's gonna win with every fan out right. there. Right. And he is, he comes off as kind of a whiny brat. I'm
3: ready for the trials, but he feels that I'm too unpredictable. He won't let me move on. That must be frustrating. It's worse.
4: He's overly critical. He never listens. He he doesn't understand. It's not fair.
0: But you see that tied into how Luke, Luke was, was kind of a exactly. whiny brat. Yeah, you know?
1: Luke was a whiny brat and had to grow into his, yeah.
0: Right. And so it just sticks out on those points where he's whining about, I want this and I want that mm-hmm. from you and, and all of this stuff. And then it hits these serious moments where you have him wiping out the, yeah, uh, the, the, the Tuscan Raiders family. Yeah, the Tuscan Raiders and that whole scene. And you're like, holy shit, this is... And and so you're trying to get emotionally connected. Why doesn't she just go, okay, well, I'm out of here. Yeah, right, like, right. You don't have from that childhood Phantom Menace relationship how is there this kind of connection Sparky, there yeah it doesn't right. cause it
1: doesn't feel nat- like it came naturally yeah right well and you know who knows maybe what's his name isn't quite the romance writer he thinks he is and you know it's right. It's all a little corny and all that you know.
0: right and then you get to that whole big final ending and you have that line where she's supposed to deliver I truly deeply love you you're just like alright let's just get on with the fight yeah. come on guys That
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels uh Forced. Right. Forced. No
0: pun uh, intended. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Ding, ding, ding. I
1: didn't even think about it. But uh, we also get from this whole, uh, you know, them courting each other out on this little lush, lovemaking castle land that they're in. You You get the famous line, uh,
3: I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. (laughs) everybody's been making fun of that for 20 years now
0: yeah so yeah you get that stuff but i i i some of the things that I really loved about it is I loved all of the stuff you know you really start to broaden out even as Obi-Wan and this like I said it's a little detective story that he's he's unraveling this mystery and, and you go and you, you see a little bit more personality coming out because you see his old friend Dex he has yeah. to go talk to him right. and all of that stuff a lot of people find that stuff cheesy and oh Jesus take I liked all I of thought that it was stuff. cool yeah the yeah. diner aspect and all that you know
4: Yeah, Obi-Wan hello
1: Dex take a seat I'll be right with you cup of gel for your hand that little robot right. on the wheel and the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and oh what do you know Camino <laughs> yeah. I... Saber Dart <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy and I, I really really like the whole Camino and Kamino yeah. and all of that shit was so cool
0: may I present Lama Sue, Prime Minister of Kamino
1: I
2: trust you're going to enjoy your stay.
1: The look of it and then the, the you know yep. the city rising out of the sea kind of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: I thought that was all. I loved all I I loved all the Django stuff, the battle between yeah, him and Yeah, that fight all between that him and Obi-Wan is fucking is amazing.
4: Thank you for your time, Django. Always
1: a pleasure to meet a Jedi. Because you're seeing him, you know, use the jetpack and the double, yep. you know, two, you know, almost like a John Woo kind of like a double.
0: Yeah. No, it's what you want to yeah. see Django do. Yeah. When they're in that shit. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, all of that stuff I thought was great. The whole Clone Wars at the end, you know, you see thousands of these stormtroopers yeah. and all of this stuff interacting with these giant monsters, and then you uh, you get Dooku really showing his stuff, and then Master Yoda.
2: Count Dooku.
0: I don't care how many people made fun of it. I freaked out at that last scene with uh, Yoda where he picks up the saber. Oh, yeah. But I thought it was You're rad like, as fuck. Yeah. What
1: the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really well done. Some people hate it, some people love it. Yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I because he, it was you great. know, you know what? He has to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he can't. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right. I, th- I thought it was great.
2: Yeah. Like, well, you have my old bad one this is just the beginning
0: yeah you get to those things and everything you gotta wade through like I said the the love stuff is pretty lush in this film so you have to kind of wade through a little bit more of it to get to the stuff that you really like and everything, and I think that's what we're pinging off when we're saying, "Eh, you know, when it comes to the one or this one sours a little bit more, that's mainly, I think, what we're pinging off. Yeah, yeah. But like we said, the standout characters from um, Phantom Menace, when you had Qui-Gon and and you had Obi-Wan and stuff like that, but in this one I I really love how they're bringing forth Obi-Wan and really showing him and everything.
4: I'll get to the bottom of this plot quickly, m'lady you'll be back here in no time
0: and I really love Django and his introduction and I'm just a simple
4: man trying to make my way in the universe ever made your way as far into the interior as Coruscant Mm -hmm. once or twice recently possibly.
0: Palpatine is still awesome in it. Everything that they're showing and like I say, they're building up more of the decisions of the Jedi Council and Yoda and Mace Windu and all of these stuff there. He's playing with a lot but I think it's a little more concise of how he's playing with it as far as editing goes. Than what he was doing in Phantom Menace, where he had to cater to, you know, we have this fight going on with uh, Queen Amidala that yeah. has to run up to this thing, and then Jar Jar on the battlefield. And then. I think he's a little bit more together as far yeah. as yeah. structure. Yeah, you know, plus the Genoeseans
1: are the termite creatures. Oh, that, yeah, man. they yeah. were pretty cool. And, and they they're the ones awesome. that they're the constructors of the Trade right. Federation, right? So they're the ones that actually drew up the blueprints for the Death Star. Right. And, uh, you know, again, Palpatine manipulating his way through that, you know, gets the plans.
3: And, yeah, I thought those things were cool. This idea of a democracy being given up, and in many cases being given up in a time of crisis, you see it throughout history, whether it's uh, Julius Caesar or uh, Napoleon or um, Adolf Hitler, you see these democracies under a lot of pressure, under in a crisis situation, who end up giving up a lot of the freedoms they have and a lot of the checks and balances to somebody with a strong authority to help get them through the crisis. You know, it's a...
0: Not the first time a politician has created a war to try to stay in office. And then you put someone like Jar Jar in charge of this, and then he ends up... You know, bringing in basically the doom right, to right. everyone, but you, you, you get to see that huge auditorium with all the pods and stuff, yeah. which you saw in Phantom Menace, too. In the Galactic Senate, yeah. Right, but the, that room is just such amazing work being done in that particular yeah. scene and, the, and all of that, and to see it more and more. The big arenas that you see, the sweeping fights and everything. I just, right. you know, I had a lot of fun with it, definitely watching it when it came out, when it yeah. was new in 02. And then again, like with everything you see you see the cracks and in, in... right <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, you know as we go into the Clone Wars animation series lovely little place the separatists have here right you talk about the retconning and, and that series is a whole system of retconning yep and Matt Lanter's version of Anakin Skywalker somehow redeems yep the kind of whiny, annoying Hayden Christensen version.
2: I see you for what you truly are. You're a serpent.
3: A traitor.
1: Makes him uh, heroic and commanding
0: yeah. and cool and all that stuff. So It gives us real, not in a hokey, 1950s swashbuckling way but it does give him that adventure right but there's peril and it's in a world that you know and using sabers and all of these new characters in the same time with interesting story that's intricate but also weaving through right things that's happening there that has happened and the attack of the clones and stuff so it really starts mending some threads that oh that didn't work so much for me in the movie but seeing that now and then imagining that connected to the movie okay yeah it's all weaving together right. in my mind and right.
1: this is when you know Dave Filoni is hired away from Avatar the last airbender to, right, right. as an animator to become the uh, he has a great story about that on uh, on the behind the scenes thing on uh, Disney plus Plus. Just right. telling, like,
4: you know, hanging up on them and, uh, and the whole, it's really funny. Is this Dave Lone? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, do you work on Airmen? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, you're the guy. And I'm thinking like, oh, wait a minute. This suddenly this sounds real. really real. And then my answer was, like, oh, you have no idea how the guy I am. I am so the guy. <laughs> I have a Plo Koon costume in my, in my garage. Like, let's do this now right I'm now. saying all the wrong things, like absolutely the wrong things. And later, Catherine told me she wanted to, like, cancel the interview right there, but she had already said it. And my whole ambition was just to interview. I just wanted to meet George, so I was in line Revenge of the Sith, I can say, yeah, well, I met George Lucas, how cool is that? Because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this job. Because mm-hmm. I felt, like, immensely underqualified for the job. Because I didn't do CG animation. I had only directed one year of Airbender. Uh, it was the first time I had really directed anything. So I go in and I meet him, and we talk for about 20 minutes. a 20-minute meeting. I kind of just zenned myself over to the table where we sat and talked and he looked at my portfolio and he kind of went through it like this. We looked at things briefly Mm -hmm. and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is what I thought. Like this guy's not, you're not gonna impress him with your art, come on. And uh, then he shut it and he goes, well, this is what a Jedi Knight is. And he just starts talking to me about Star Wars and Jedi and stuff. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I totally got what he's saying exactly from the movies and it was fun because some of it was like stuff I'd debated with friends of mine about how the forest worked and stuff and I'm like yeah okay and then just remembering my manners when the time was over uh, I got up and I thought well I'm never gonna see this guy again so I shook his hand I said it was very nice to meet you and he said very nice to meet you and I went back to the green room and I felt this great sense of relief because I was like all right well I don't have to like that's over and that was cool and you know what he was a really nice guy and that was over and then the door opens and Catherine sticks her old and says, he likes you, you got the job. And then she shut the door. And I remember th- my first thought was like, oh, my gosh, these people have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> like, I thought, like, you're going to hire me <laughs> for go- this job? You're crazy. Anyway, um, this is
1: where his apprenticeship, he's the Padawan learner under George right. Lucas. Because George Lucas wants to do this, this series, uh, you know. Kind of, and take again, it
0: seriously. Really it delve seriously, into yeah. the mythology of right. it because his his rules a lot. He has a rule system. A lot of people might not realize it, but when you're watching those films, they take place over a few days. Yeah, you're not doing flashbacks. Right. You're not jumping way ahead in time. Right. You're in this very precise amount of time, time period, when these yeah. movies unfold. unfold so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So um, ultimately, I believe they do. I think they do four seasons for, uh, was it Cartoon Network? Yeah. And then it gets kind of canceled, and then Netflix picks it up. They do a fifth season on Netflix. And then that's happening right as the Disney buyout thing. Right. So Right. then it it kind of ends, and you think it's the end, but you don't know. And then Disney then, of course, starts to absorb everybody, and, and Filoni is one of the absorptions, and luckily... They allow him to do his complete division in the in the sixth season that came out a couple years ago which is fucking phenomenal right it's and the craziest wanted, thing the craziest yeah. thing about the Clone Wars too is, is obviously to connect with kids you have to bring in another young character right because oh, right. it is a cartoon so they bring in this you young Togruda Padawan for Anakin to have Anakin to have and a,
0: I remember being like eh.
1: yeah and she was annoying she was really right. annoying and I'm like I can't I don't even want to I don't even I can't really get into it she's just right obnoxious and, and loud and right. then they miraculously do this thing yep. Over the seasons where yep. By the end of the Well even by the end of like season 4 You know when it's yeah. still Cartoon Network You are you love this character You yep. so fucking love this character And yep
4: I understand that as usual
3: you're playing politics This is why The people have lost faith in the Jedi I had too Until I was reminded of what the order Means to people who
4: truly need us
0: Right now, people on Coruscant need us.
4: No, the Chancellor needs you.
1: You're rooting for her hardcore. And then, of course, Rebels comes out and she makes an appear You know, she has a huge part in the Rebels series, which, right. which is, you know, that comes out in between um, the Netflix thing and the uh, the Disney Plus 6 season. So, you know, you get to know her even more. And Dave Filoni and George Lucas are behind that as well. Right. So uh, she just becomes this thing it's 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 amazing how they take a character that doesn't even exist in the movies and they make her right. work because yep. they, the whole time you're watching the first few uh, seasons of it you're like, "Well, how are they going to figure this right. out cuz she's not a part of the movies." So, and right. they do it perf- They do it flawlessly. Right. They do it flawlessly and bringing yep. her into the Mandalorian and yep. Book of Boba Fett and all that and you're like, "Oh, Jesus." Again, bravo to to Dave Filoni for doing this, uh, for creating this world with right. George and in you know, for, thank God he was the right person at the right time to right. be able to, you know, carry the torch on in a respectful and intelligent way.
0: Right. And and luckily, uh, here's where I think he's the right person at the right time. Both of those things colliding at the same time. He's a fan of the material. Yeah. He loved the material before coming into it. Yeah. He, he gets to pick George's brain about all of this stuff. And George is, has a very dense history in his mind and what he put out and how big the history was that built before Disney bought it out and retconned all of the previous comic book world and all of that stuff Dave knows all of that stuff yeah, and so he's able to pick and choose well you know we'll we'll use this and we'll use that but what he has is the advantage of long uh, term storytelling to really like you were saying with George too much in his head can't get it all out and do it the right way Dave can and he can say with this project we're going to put this and lay this egg here to benefit this thing and help this film and do this and also And so he's got a very broad spectrum of storytelling on his side to be able to get all these thoughts out which is nothing but good because he can go back and retcon these things and fix this and interweave these things into all of these stories to really lay out how to take these characters in this environment in and act on the universe that we're in we don't always have to be with the skywalker right we don't all you know and and embrace that
1: that was the word i was going to use is that he's not so much like a continuation of george he's more of an evolution of george as you're saying you know he's he's bringing a little bit more like directorial talent to it but uh, not at the same time i think george is like a master world builder Yeah. And Dave can kind of almost take it a little bit further and universe build around it or fill in the universe better. Yeah. Right. And like I said, it's six seasons long. We can't really go through everything about it. Right. No, no, no. We're just going to kind of say. Just the
0: highlight of seeing how it very miraculously could have went, oh, this is just a dumb cartoon, like droids or something like that. And it really does this world building. Right. Of. This is what's happening with this character in a very serious way that affects this next movie or this thing in this past movie or all of this. It really does an amazing job of interconnecting all of these things, taking things seriously, but still playing to kids, but still entertaining Star Wars fans. Telling their
1: episodic stories with the grander theme behind it playing out through the season. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. That basically propels the universe forward and... Right. Binds all the connective tissues. Right. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together.
0: And then in between two thousand two and two thousand five when Revenge of the Sith comes out, this just the animated version, before they even get into the computer animated version, oh, there's right. a straight up animated version right. that was just fifteen minutes long. But they do so much world building in that and they even introduce a main villain, which is General Grievous, you will be sorry right. in the animated thing, setting him up for what you're going to see in this next film. Not that we knew right. we were going to see that character, but I think it was introduced in this, and George was just like, That character is fucking cool. right. right. <laughs> you know? So it takes all of these things, these new characters that. How is this going to work? Or how are they going to build off of this? Like you're saying, like uh, Sokotano, you see that character. I don't like it. Watch a few more episodes. I kind of like her. Yeah. More episodes. Oh, man, she's badass. (laughs) And really building this thing that that pay off your long term uh, uh, as you're watching it. It really builds you into loving these new characters and characters that, you know, like we're saying, Natalie Portman may not get a lot to do in the films and has to get from A to B to C. Whereas in the cartoons, you get to see that character interweaving with all of the political aspects, really seeing what she's doing behind the scenes. Right. And then, you know, some of the characters that they're setting up end up
1: getting picked and choose uh, to be put in some of the later even movies like uh, Saw Guerrera. There's right. a whole thing about how Sor- Saw Gerrera gets radicalized and his uh, his sister gets killed. There's a whole episode about that, and you know right. he's just a young guy with no scars, and then he becomes you know by the time you get to Rogue One he's Forrest Whitaker where he's all fucked up and angry right. and, and 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 hard to rein in. You know it's it's cool and just using different species throughout it too. It's going back to that Dex guy uh, who ends up helping. Obi Wan out in the diner scene. They take, right. they have that species in the Clone Wars as a Jedi Master who goes corrupt, R- and that right. whole that there's like a th- two or three part episode of where he's just like getting people, getting clones killed, and all that stuff with no regard. And then yeah, he, right, that was was really cool. Uh, s- yeah, a series of episodes. It's it's so much fun stuff in there. If anybody who's a, who considers themselves a hardcore Star Wars fan and has not watched this series. has to watch this series yeah don't kick it away as some child thing it's not and there are those episodes in there that you have to weed through for sure right but there's so much of this is a part of the mandalorian and uh you know uh is telling that story
0: too and these upcoming other disney plus shows right yeah, and, and he, you learn so much about even you know Jabba the Hutt and his species and what what's going on with them, how they really are. Oh, you know, overlords and last and year's Obi
1: wan Kenobi series is yeah, it's, it's it's you know it plays a huge part in all of that. Yeah. knowing what's going on, you know, right.
0: Yeah, there's just so much in there. You And, and you, even in the Clone Wars, they are able for one, or I think it's one episode, to get Liam Neeson to come back to right. voice when they go to that one planet. Yeah. I, that, I remember seeing that and being like, holy shit, this is amazing. Right. Obi-Wan, have you done as I asked? Have you trained the boy? Master Qui-Gon, how are you
2: here? I am here because you are here. No, I, I don't understand. What is this place? Unlike any other, a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows.
0: You, you start to see how he's yeah, figuring the out how
1: and, to yeah. right come back from the as a force right. ghost, right? Yeah, force ghost, right? Yeah, and that whole the mythology thing, of that that one planet with the father, the daughter, yeah. and the sister, yeah. and the whole where where amazing. Ahsoka gets her owl and uh, yeah. the symbol of her. Yeah, that that's just yeah. so cool, so fun. Amazing. Yeah. amazing.
3: I wanted to do something. When I was doing episode three, I wanted to do something that involved the Clone Wars. I was disappointed I didn't get to make a movie about the so- Clone Wars because it doesn't have anything to do with Anakin Skywalker, really. Uh, so we decided to do a little animated show for uh, Cartoon Network with uh, very talented animator, uh, Gindy. And that then turned into, gee, this is so good. Let's make it into a bigger animated TV series that's actually a half an hour in a regular show. And I can use CG animation, which we develop, and some other new technology and techniques to really make a great TV show.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, to that final sixth season where they wrap it all up and they actually go past Attack of the yep. Clones and all that stuff. And Yep. Woo. Yep. It's amazing storytelling.
0: It really yeah. is. Yes, no, it's, it's fantastic. And, and so... You know, we, we build all of this stuff up. We're getting to the end of the prequel trilogy. So then 2005, Revenge of the Sith is released. Right.
3: So when we finally got around to doing a Revenge of the Sith, I knew this was the one where I could feel free going much more dark with it. Because the story has led us to this point.
0: And everyone who has been dogging, oh, they're so light and this. And that, you can see George responding to that and saying, "Well, we're not to the dark part yet." Yeah, right. And so you, and and not that there's not light stuff in Revenge of the Sith, but you definitely see this tone right. that starts being manipulated way more, more, more dark. And and just a little
1: of the play on the titles too. Right. Originally. Uh, Return of the Jedi was supposed to be called Revenge of the Jedi and there was actually even posters that got yep. that late into the uh, production uh, just before the release that it was going to be called Revenge of the Jedi and then it kind of hit George all of a sudden wait a second Jedi are supposed to be these peaceful monk-like right. people why would they take revenge on anything? So that's why he right. calls it Return of the Jedi. So then right fast forward you know 30 years and you're like now i can say revenge of the sith right. because this is what it's all about right with all due respect
4: master is he not the chosen one is he not to destroy the sith and bring balance to the force so the prophecy says a
3: prophecy that miss reg could have been
1: For me, this is the best of the prequels, and today it still is the best of the prequels. It's the one I would, if I had to choose any of the three, this is the one I want to watch over and over again. Right. It was the first Star Wars film to get a PG-13 rating because of the content. Right. All the others are PG before that.
0: And so when we talk about Revenge of the Sith, the one thing I do want to highlight that is something that you and I kind of geeked out. So just to get a little bit more intimate about yeah, right. your hosts that are talking <laughs> to you right now. Um Tim and my friendship really started hitting right around the time Attack of the Clones. We weren't, like, full-on hanging out and going to see movies together, but we started clicking on levels with Star Wars talk. And I remember hearing first starting to really talk to you about things and you saying, I don't watch trailers. Attack of the Clone because I was just like, you see that Attack of the Clone because I had already seen you had a picture of Boba Fett up on your toolbox and stuff and so started talking Star Wars with you and you and I started talking about that. So by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith in 2005, you and I are full on we're friends, we're going seeing movies together and stuff like that. So we go see this one together after revisiting some of the other ones together at home on, yeah. on DVD and, and such. And you and I really responded in Attack of the Clones to that whole on chase where the, yeah. where the the assassin, they're chasing the assassin. And, and so you get this opening shot of this Revenge of the Sith where it's flying through the battle and right. and Obi-Wan's in the ship. And, and oh man, I remember yeah. you and I just the like opening looking scene, yeah. like, holy, holy shit.
1: shit. because it's just them two <laughs> at first, right. quietly. And then right. they, they come over, they dive down towards Coruscant, right. and there's this massive fucking battle going on. It's right. one of the coolest.
0: And it's all one shot, keeps going, right. waving out. Right. You're
1: just hearing the ships, like, and them talking back to each other, and then they dive down, and then all of a sudden this crazy fucking crazy like, wars pirate going ship yeah. battle where they're, like, <laughs> side by side <laughs> shooting yeah. at each other. You
0: can't tell. Are we upside down like yeah. now, or right now? So, yeah, what's going it doesn't on? matter
1: because you're in space, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that being amazing and and so by this point you know a few years had passed between the two obviously the, the animated series would tell you how much time Obi-Wan and ha- and Anakin had together basically leading their own t- you know two versions of the troops you know you got the right. uh, com- Commander Cody and you have yeah uh, Rex uh, as his main clone you know they have this right. rapport amongst each other where they're joking and, and they're teasing each other about stuff that we haven't seen right. you know what I mean because they've had this history now and they're they're like the best of buddies they're more like brothers than they are Right. Uh teacher student, you know, whatever.
4: Right. Hold your fire,
1: you're not helping him. I agree. Bad idea.
0: No, for sure. Yeah, there's a brotherhood between them and they're joking and making riffing on each other, and yeah. you can tell Anakin's a little bit more playful about stuff. You see, you already see that he's got the scar, scar now, so face, right. you realize he's been through some shit, and you know if you're watching Clone Wars, you kinda see the evolution of that. Yeah. And so uh you, you get all of this this banter between them, that opening shot is just a beautiful and it really sets you into the mood of when you get on that ship there's some playfulness stuff doesn't get too i don't feel it gets too silly with the whole r2d2 thing how he's hovering sets the things on fire and then you get the whole introduction in live action with General Grievous right. is there. And yeah. Prepare for attack. And they got Dooku aboard this thing and they're holding Palpatine and, and all of this intricate stuff. And then the darkness starts coming in with that fight between Dooku and Obi-Wan. Your
4: swords, please.
3: We don't want to make a mess of things in front of the Chancellor. You won't get away this
4: time, Dooku.
1: Yeah, where Obi-Wan gets knocked out, and, and it's just, and, and by this point, obviously, you know, uh, uh, it was Dooku that cut off uh, uh, Anakin's hand in Attack right. of the Clones, and so that that's that first part of his, uh, you know... The disassembling of his body, right? But right. Uh, he had evolved like massively since that point, so that he's actually the better fighter and all that. And right. You know, Palpatine basically says, "Do it, like kill the urging. him." And then, yeah, and, and, and Dooku's like, "What?" After all this time, and then boom, you know, Anakin right. fucking decapitates
0: him. Which right. Which is fucking cool. That's new territory right. in a in a Jedi film. Right. Now there were people I remember at this time when it came out, and I remember reading. Not long after we saw it that, that there was a lot of people Complaining now That it takes too dark of a shift Oh And so I'm just like You can't fucking win You can't win It's just Yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are complaining yeah. Just to complain Yeah Right right I remember really embracing that Like yeah yes, This is where we right. need to go To get the character To where he is needs to be
1: right Darth Vader is more lore than he is on screen presence at this point you know he's just you just know him to be this thing and you're basically coming into him at the end of his run anyway in the first three movies so right he had done all of this nasty shit prior to that. And so he he has a reputation he has to build up to. So Right. And and, and this is all, again, pushing the relationship between uh, Anakin and Palpatine. Uh, more and more where they, they go to that opera together and he tells them about the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise and how he right. was so powerful with the dark side of the force he brought himself back from the dead and all that shit. And yep. that kind of plants the seeds for... Uh, The weakness that Anakin has, you know, the the whole purpose of the Jedi is to uh, remove all attachments from life because then you can't, you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to gain, you're neutral,
0: right? Right, right. And he has a lot to lose because he has a little love affair going on with his wife. Yeah, they're secretly married, yeah. Right,
1: Uh, Queen Amidala. And she's pregnant at this point. And, And so he's, you know, he already lost his mother to the Tusken Raiders, which tore him up.
3: I killed them all. They're dead, every single one of them, and not just the men
4: but the women and the children too. They're like animals and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them.
1: And, uh, you know, it's kind of like he he's almost, because of the way he came up in the world, he's kind of emotionally immature when he has right. all of this fucking, like, right. you know, whatever you would say, God-given talent and power right. and ability. And, it, you know, right. the, the, this is where the—the the, it really starts teetering off to the... To the, right out of balance, his forces. And the more
0: you th- you think about it, when you when you really look at human psychology and stuff, if yeah. you're told all your life you are special, you have a special, unique yeah. power, you are very powerful, you are the one, you right. are chosen, blah 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 blah. When you hear it very smartly from Palpatine when he implants that idea, you know if you're powerful enough. You <laughs> yeah. can, change the course of death and life right right yeah and of course you're gonna be like oh you know all who gain power are afraid
3: to lose it even the jedi the jedi use their power for good good is a point of view Anakin. the sith and the jedi are similar in almost every way including their quest for greater power
4: The Sith rely on their passion for their strength. They think inwards only about themselves. And the Jedi don't. And just even the
1: way Ian uh, McDermott is kind of like doing that, like, <laughs> like looking over at him yeah. after he says oh, it, like I, is this sinking in? <laughs> right, exactly. I,
0: my one of my favorite. I mean, I love that scene because the ambiance of the opera that they're yeah, in. yeah, it's like it's a it's, it's a mon
1: calamari and, opera. So they're like in right. water and jumping from bubbles to bubbles. It's really cool,
0: right. like effect. Yeah, uh, you know. So there's a great ambiance going on with the darkness of what's being told the and the tone of the, the sound
1: is the, the, right. the sound of the operas is like this.
0: It's kind of scoring the darkness of the whole undertone of the scene Conversation, and everything. Yeah. And my, one of my favorite lines in that scene is, is, you know... He
3: could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a
0: Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Right.
0: right. And uh, yeah, this that scene is is one of my favorite scenes, and a lot of really great scenes in in this movie. I right. I just love that scene. To both of them. I even, you know, as as much a complaint that there has been about Hayden Christensen he, he, in this one, I I you definitely see. The, the, the switch yeah, yeah. Yes, and yeah. you can see he's really going for the character yeah. that is being put out there and you see his strife and, and, and his teetering off of like in, a little bit into insanity because he's going nuts over I don't want this bad thing that I have impending because he's You're having about to nightmares about it too right. and you
1: gotta right. wonder too if somehow Palpatine is influencing those dreams you know what I mean yeah totally
0: and finally, too, you see in, in Revenge of the Sith, you, you, you start to see the Jedi finally like, maybe there is something to this Sith thing that you're talking
1: about. <laughs> right, right, with the Dooku
0: and, yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and then becoming a little more, at, at, through this movie, inching towards something's Palpatine. That that dude's dirty. <laughs> yeah,
1: something. Yeah, he's a little too corrupt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everything seems to be worth going his way too much. Too much. Right. Him. Yeah, and and at the same time, uh, they also start drawing the after they have their final, you know, goodbye. Their tension starts to and division starts to go between uh, Obi Wan and Anakin, and then yeah, throwing uh, Amidala in the mix of all of that, so that yep. it gets really complicated and convoluted.
3: Right. Obi-Wan's been here, hasn't he?
4: He came by this morning.
0: What did he want?
4: He's worried about you.
0: And you constantly see Obi-Wan struggling with keeping that, like we were saying, that more brotherhood feeling than master and everything. But seeing he has to subvert that. Right to kind of get Anakin in control. Like, right. Anakin, you're you're letting your emotions get the best of you. You can't do that. Like, keeping him in check, but doing it the best he can in a loving way and then reverting back to master things. So at the end, Anakin is completely going off the deep end and everything. Yeah. What's interesting about that is the whole time Obi-Wan's trying to keep Anakin's emotions in check. Right. And by the time Anakin is off the hook...
4: You will not take it from me! Your anger and your lust for power have already done that.
0: Obi-Wan responds very emotionally.
4: Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy.
0: So, you, know, you get to that. I know a lot of people find that scene a little hokey. I I find it heartbreaking. I, there's, the I,
3: there's,
1: I think it's a very mixed crowd. I think a lot of the younger generations love it because that's what they know. You know what I mean? Right. And, and you see it all over the... Um, A lot of people will put it on TikTok with like really heavy music to it and all that. Right, 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 right. Just kind of show it because they'll they'll bookend it with him saying goodbye to him the last time. Have a safe trip and all that. And then they play that. Right.
2: You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this. not join them. Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in
3: darkness.
1: Anakin kind of rats out. Palpatine right? because he finally reveals himself you know right so they have that little showdown or whatever and and of course Mace gets killed and uh, that's it that's where he finally gets knighted as Darth Vader right right
0: and then you also see, especially the last time I watched it too, noticing a little bit more nuance too. You can kind of see Yoda giving in to. I don't think this is going to go well for us, no matter what. Yeah. We, yes. However we act, well, we're, I'm still going to fight and give it my all. But I think we might be yeah. getting what we deserve from being too arrogant. I think he's planning for the worst. Yeah.
2: Great dark place. This line of thought will carry us. Mm-hmm. Great
1: care we must take. You can tell that uh, I think he's starting to see the error in his own ways because that's, right. that's basically he has to come from an, uh, a perspective of reluctance and, yep. and almost resignation to failure. Because right, yeah. Whereas you know, Mace Windu died basically thinking he was top shit and knew every had everything in control and that's kind of the the word we got to use is hubris right the Jedi Council by this point has been so unchallenged and so stuck and so politicized that they have lost their way essentially and that ties back into what we were saying earlier about some of the fringe Jedi that are out there Right, and Safo Dias is actually one of them. They had him in the Clone Wars, and all that's the, yeah. the kind of uh, almost native-looking dude. Yeah. Yep, very loose and on the fringe. A really cool character. Yeah, in the Clone Wars series. Please free me,
2: Cypho Dias. Alive, you are.
1: My point is, is, whereas it's almost like Dooku and Qui-Gon kind of saw the forest for the trees and was like, "Guys, right. guys, come on, lighten up a little bit, loosen up, right. you know." Right. And uh, they—they're like, "No, no, no. This is who we are. This is the way we gotta be. This is what's working." And and uh, right. And and it's that full steam ahead mentality that allowed for Palpatine to slowly work his way in and set this chess game and to manipulate yep. the entire fucking galaxy into his favor. Right. And yeah, like you're saying, it's like um, suddenly over the you know the course of that movie Yoda is starting to put the pieces together and just going, oh fuck I can't right. believe we didn't see this coming.
0: No, yeah. You could definitely see in a way, to put it in the terminology what we've been using, you can see Yoda looking at the chessboard and saying, we we made some bad moves. <laughs> yeah, we're about to
4: get <laughs> fucking
0: completely
4: wiped out here. The time has
3: come. Execute order 66.
0: Yeah, you see, you see all of these. This movie has, I think, a lot going for it as far as George really getting to the culmination of what he's building these movies to. And I think as a director, he's doing some of his best stuff here. Yeah, yeah. He's doing a, a lot of great visual stuff complementing the storytelling that he's saying yeah. and getting also a lot of good performances out of it. Right. So he's it seems like his attention is, is trying to more focus on the bigger picture than technology. You know what yeah. I mean? And so uh, I think he does a really good job with this movie and doing that. Like, it's not without clunk, right? but... That clunk has enough polish around it to where when it hits, it's not as clunky. And so you have those introduc—not the introduction necessarily, but the live-action introduction of a great character, the General Grievous character, and the everything we get to see of him. A lot of people were kind of playing him off as kind of a Darth Vader ripoff. but I don't see that because he's not necessarily—he's not, or he's not a Jedi. He's—he's just—he's taking trophies right. and yeah. using that. Yeah, he said, "Dooku."
1: trained him in the jedi arts meaning right. he at least knows how to use a lightsaber but right. he's not he's not force wheel he, yeah well and i think it was described he's he's 20 left of whatever he was before right. you know uh and and that the technology that is used to save anakin as or well it's it's funny how uh you want to associate the humanoid mm-hmm. as anakin even though even after he's been knighted Darth Vader. So, you know, when when he's walking into the temple with all the clone troopers behind him and the hood over and he comes in and lights the sword against the little younglings and all that before he kills them all. (laughs) That's Darth Vader. That's not Anakin. Yeah. We we call him that because he doesn't look like he's not wearing the outfit. Right. But it's Darth Vader at that point.
0: Yeah. Um, So anyway... And another brave scene for George to do yeah. with the, the the younglings. I mean, it's done in a very PG thirteen way, right. but it's still brave yeah. to do that in a Star Wars movie. Right. Yeah, but what I was saying was uh, that it's
1: essentially Darth Vader's uh, the technology that Darth that's used to keep. Darth alive after he's getting maimed is taken from what they did with General Grievous when he was right.
0: maimed. I mean you know what I mean. Right. And that's that stuff that I'm talking about, yeah. how George does Connective interweave that stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's right. very good. It's very good. And another one of the complaints that I remember hearing at the time and even still reading about now when people are judging this particular film. Is that Anakin's push from light to dark is a little too rushed. And I can see how someone coming into just the movie might feel that. But if you're interconnecting everything that's been given to you with Clone Wars... Interweaved with this stuff, no Right, <laughs> he's had a
1: temper problem The whole time, and yeah. a little bit Of a, a off-putting, minor Fascistic attitude going through Some of his ideology, I guess Yeah, know, like
0: uh, and, and feeling That pushback from The Jedi, and feeling the embrace right. From Palpatine and, and what Palpatine's feeding him And when you see these things happening through The Clone Wars too, yeah. Palpatine In his ears so much, right. you really See that rapport between the two that it's not just this, oh, this old guy's coming up and talking to him again. This is someone that's a part of his, his I mean, in a way, a core family unit right, that right. he has on this yeah. planet, you know?
1: Been around since he was eight, just like anybody right. else, right? Right. Yeah, and I feel like if Qui Gon had lived, you know, Qui Gon yeah. wouldn't have been so uh, tricked by. Palpatine, I think, if, right. if he had grown older and all that stuff, and and so could have seen the game more and had more right. sway over young Anakin too, to, to right. keep him from getting sucked in by
0: Palpatine in that way, right? So, because I don't think Obi Wan picks up on it until way too late. Yeah, was, and then he's just like, "You might want to watch your relationship." With well, yeah, right, right. It know? was
1: already too strong, and I mean, he's way like, too defensive late. about it," right? Yeah, you know, Anakin's <laughs> defensive. Yep. So that you know, uh, you know, you work up to this, the the betrayal and all that shit, and he's right. he's already turned, but it, Amidala doesn't know it, and you know they get to Mustafar, and that battle, that final battle between him and Obi Wan is it's amazing, you know. Yeah, it's uh,
0: great, yeah. and 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 it does everything it should because these things are known in a lot of circles as space operas and stuff so when you get to that final battle between Obi-Wan it is these two iconic characters in this tragedy yeah Having to battle each other, not you know, one wanting to and one not wanting to, right? But having to do it, and it's this music with John Williams is scoring this thing, and it's just just a beautiful sweeping thing with a lot of amazing eye candy going on and everything, and then a lot of really good technical aspects coming from the actors and what they're having to put into it and everything else, and then you get to the outcome of what Obi Wan has to do to Anakin.
3: It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it!
0: And not knowing that this is building even more into right. the raids that will give him more power as right. Darth Vader right. and everything. It,
1: yeah, it only feeds
0: the. Right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how he
1: loses a lot of his physical ability, but he gains so much more uh, d- driving force. That anger and rage when he, he basically he's uh, sliding into the lava and catches on fire and screaming, I
2: hate you, I hate
1: you. Right. That's what's keeping him alive. It would have killed anybody else. You know what I right. mean? That scene too, when, when the palpatine shows up with his guards and all that stuff and, and anakin's just laying there uh, all crispy crittered and uh you know the way when they're taking him away on that floating yeah. thing you know that's a really
0: cool scene really. yeah i love i love and the again going back to john williams and his brilliance the way he scores the whole yeah. building in and you can slowly hear that darth vader theme yeah. weaving in and everything You, you know, you, you you get to the scene that, of course, Anakin does what he does to Amidala, and yeah. then she's, of course, pregnant and about to give birth to, you know, the characters that we will go on to know as Luke and Leia and everything, and, yeah. and that sets up, you know, this whole last little bit of business that, while Obi-Wan is having to do what he can with Anakin... Yeah. Yoda has to go and confront Palpatine, so you have this amazing yeah. battle between them, and then takes place in that big uh, the auditorium, Senate room, yeah. the Senate room, and, and the way they use those pods, and yeah. seeing Yoda do what he can, and, and really seeing him get his ass handed to him by right. the end, and just having to say, you know what? We're done. Yeah, <laughs> I failed.
1: I've got to go into
0: into exile. Right. Yeah. And and seeing all of that laid out. Right. What what Obi Wan has to do with Luke and Leia, and what you know Yoda has to go on and do, and, and laying out where Leia's gonna go and right. who she's gonna be with with Jimmy Smith and right. and uh, what is his name? Bail Organa. Um, yeah, Bail. Yeah, yeah. And it's just really well done and and you may not see it just by watching that movie but when you see everywhere they've taken it before that building up to it after it right. you really say this is really good storytelling yeah
3: yeah right one of the things I think is really fun to do is uh, try to in each film answer some of the foreshadowings I did in past films and then of course set up some new foreshadowing for what's to come next so there was plenty of that to do in Revenge of the Sith mainly because it was to be the last of the saga. Yeah, the whole setting up the Force ghost, ghost thing,
1: Qui-Gon's learned how to come back. Right. You know, and,
0: and the scene that we wanted, the scene that was in even the novelization yeah. of Revenge of the Sith was that Obi-Wan sees and talks to Qui-Gon in that last scene. Oh, really? But they don't do it, and you're wondering why didn't they do that? And then when you see what comes later, you're like, oh, oh yeah. that's okay, beautiful. that's better, that's better. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. Yeah, he had to go through his right thing in order to be right open vessel. Yeah,
0: right. And so, yeah, you know, like I said, I think that it hits the antithesis of what George is trying to get to with this particular prequel series. And he had a he had a hard job in balancing. I have to give people an entertaining movie. I have to do callbacks to things that people want to see. I have to make this a trilogy of its own, but I also have to make it an overarching story that leads into everything that comes next. Some things are more successful than others, and I think Filoni is there to kind of fill in those gaps of right. things that to make yeah. them a little better and stuff. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think this one is one of the standout, of the prequel series it's the the best one I think the best made by a director the best way it was told through story and everything else and
1: what so what I'll say though is the most popular of the original is always Empire Strikes Back and that's the darkest of the Of the three, right? And the same goes for Revenge of the Sith as well. I mean, it ends on a downer note, because all the bad shit happens. You have the, you know, literal Frankenstein's monster rising of Darth Vader. That scene too, also when the mask comes down and does that... Yeah, oh, click. Yeah, with that little... Oh, (laughs) chills. Yeah, exactly. Right, so... And, yeah, he comes out of the... Of course, he does the no thing, and it's a little annoying.
0: (laughs) It was good. I remember being in the theater, even though the no was there. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, that is James Earl Jones. Even the tiniest little bit you get to hear of him playing Darth Vader again was so great. And I thought... At the time, of course, I didn't know what was to come, so I was just like, well, that's the last bit we're going to ever we'll get. See from. And then Vader, yeah. what we finally get, we get is his him. capper. Yeah. is so much better. It's right. so lovely. Yeah. But that's for another volume. Yeah, that's for another volume.
3: Well, the saga is now finished. As I say, it starts with Anakin as an 8-year-old. It ends when Anakin dies. When I finished Star Wars, I figured that was it. Yeah, you know, once I finished uh, *Return of the Jedi*, and I never really expected to go back and turn the the backstory into a movie, but um, as time went on, and I realized that the icon of the evil Darth Vader so sort of overwhelmed his character that the idea that he is actually a tragic character kind of got—it's there, but it got lost a little bit overwhelmed, I should say. And um, so by going back and and uh, telling Darth Vader's story, telling the whole story right from the very beginning, I was able to get the full range of all the things that were going on and how everything fit together.
0: So the wrap up. Yeah. uh, What are some standout scenes to you from each film? Well, of course, it's basically when Darth
1: Maul, you know, takes his hood down and lights the lightsaber on one side and then the second side. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) fucking dope. That and then like we talked about with the them being divided by the laser walls. Yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes. And and again, you know, a lot of the pod racer stuff, just the, the sound effects and all that. That's Phantom Menace ones. Yeah, so that's for Phantom Menace. And I think in uh, Attack of the Clones, we talked definitely about Obi-Wan and Jango Fett's battle out on the dock at Kamino. Oh, yeah, yep. Primo. (laughs) Yep. And uh, I do kind of like that whole thing uh, at the end there, right after Jango gets his head cut off, where they... You see that in the base of that auditorium, all of those lightsabers going yep. off all at once. I, I yep. remember thinking that's really cool. Yep. Seeing that, man. Standouts in the Clone Wars series, I say, in the end, when uh, when uh, Ahsoka and Darth Maul are battling out in the lightsaber duel, because for the first time in the whole Clone War animation series, they use mocap, and it's Ray Park playing. Uh, Darth right. Maul again from the movies, right. and you can completely tell it's his motion and his movement. The, originally, you know, from the first movie, you're like, oh, wow, that's him moving and yep. spinning the way he spins and all that stuff because in the cartoon, it's always, you can, there's a, a, yeah. a less of a skeleton, you know, a realized skeleton, you know what right. I mean? You there's know? A, le- a difference in gravity. Yeah, Gra- yeah, there sure. you go, yeah, yeah, right. So I'd say that and and um that really stood out that and then that end end scene in that too where Vader finds her uh, sabers yep yeah and then the owls flying overhead and all that yeah and and the sad music that plays with that you know like oh fuck that's heart wrenching yep revenge of the Sith is obviously you will try you know like that right that whole (laughs) ending battle scene right there you know I have the high ground you know yep uh, that for sure and when he you know like I, that standout scene the, the way he's like kind of slow-mo marching into the temple to get ready to kill everybody yep. and, order, order, and and the whole uh, uh, all of the clones receiving yep. the hologram of Pal- Emperor mm-hmm. Palpatine at this point saying execute order 66 you know
0: I, yeah. I, I fucking love that and then they turn around and start shooting everybody yep No, yeah, that there's such a weight to that that scene, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, again with the music,
1: yeah, John Williams' music, yeah.
0: For me, it's definitely in, in Phantom Menace. If it's a standout, it's the pod race. Just the experience of being in the theater and the sound and the visual on top of it. The pod race for for, for Phantom Menace, and then that last saber fight between yeah. all of them. Just seeing the acrobatics going on, right. all of the all of the fighting and and the sword play in the, the our saber play, I guess I should say and and how badass Darth Maul is and that for there's one more thing though I know you're going to agree
1: with me uh, and it's in Phantom Menace uh, is in the very beginning when they uh, when the uh, (laughs) when the Remodians shut the blast doors and Qui-Gon starts sticking his uh, lightsaber through the blast doors and starts cutting through they are
2: still coming through this is impossible!
1: That's oh, something you I knew could always happen, and you always wanted to see it. Yeah, out. That was so badass. And just the way the molten metal was, like, plopping on the ground, uh, you know, right. off of the heat of the blade. Because you know these things are supposed to be able to cut through anything and everything,
0: you know? Yep. Except
1: yep. for Beskar.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that scene I freaked out on with the uh, saber going into the blast door. Yeah, then by the time we get to the attack of the clones, for me, yeah, the the Django versus Obi Wan was right. just just one of those things. The setting was good, the where it takes place and how they're fighting each other and how he takes away the ability of Obi Wan has to fight without his saber because he loses the saber right, and everything. Right. And love all and that. And seeing seeing, Cor-
1: seeing Coruscant for the first time, really. Yeah, you know. Yeah pretty cool because you'd always heard about it in the legend stuff and it's the you know the, yep. uh, so over developed that it's all buildings and you know
4: there's
1: yeah. there's no more organic space left on it you know
0: right but seeing that and seeing um, in attack of the Clones seeing that last end fight, but also the Dooku Yoda. Oh, right. That's one of those standouts ones for me. And then in the Clone Wars, like, yeah, everything you were talking about, yeah, all of those are the ones of the first things that brought to mind. But in, before the computer generated one and, the, and just the animated ones, oh, yeah. the one that first introduced General Grievous shows how he gets two of the sabers that he has oh, by the time okay. you get to it and that episode so it's dark yeah. and it's really cool Right. and I remember seeing that the night it aired and being like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> right. and then by the time yeah when you get to the revenge of the Sith the, like I said that opera scene is one of the, my yeah. favorite scenes in that and, and then that opening scene uh, and just that scene of how surprised Dooku looks by being yeah beat betrayed by, by Anakin yeah. and being, betrayed, being right betrayed right after by,
1: by, by Palpatine yeah. right
0: yeah kill him <laughs> <laughs> right yeah all of that and just the look of Yoda when he realizes yeah in that fight I can't win I can't right. th- I can't win this I have to escape Clomp. Crawling through that ventilation system, and his little brown cloak f- slowly falls down to the ground. Of this, I just like yeah. that's like oof, oof, right?
1: I think one of the other ones that stands out that I just remembered too was uh, on the on Kashyyyk when all the
0: seeing all the Wookies and standing up for yep. battle, and you know, yeah, that, that was fucking cool. That was awesome. Yeah. And then my final one for Revenge of the Sith is the scene where Obi Wan takes Luke. Oh right! And you're back Hands in that scene the... that where you see Luke in it, and it's like, oh my God, there's the two sons,
1: the two sons. Yeah, Owen is standing in the spot where Luke is standing. Right in, in the opening of the episode four. Right in the continuity there, and the music play that.
0: Oh the man just beautiful it makes me for clip now <laughs> <laughs> such a fucking nerd
1: well there you go fellas I think that's gonna wrap it up on the uh, uh, prequel trilogy and surrounding stuff <laughs> <laughs> of that
0: era of what that is era. it yeah a a b a or what did you B-B-Y. say B B Y. BBY, yeah. Uh, 30 BBY. That's our volume one yep. experience for you people out there. <laughs> yep. You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. And then we'll be doing, uh, you know, the original trilogy on the volume two probably next year. And season. the
0: surrounding poops and stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh, there's a lot on that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
1: it's going to be, that one might be a little be... long.
0: It's going to be long, and you're going to hear even more gushing.
1: (laughs) Well, it might even be volume 2.1 and then volume (laughs) (laughs) 2.2. We'll see how it goes. Cool.
0: I love Star Wars. All right. Well, then. All right. If that's all you got to say. (laughs) I love Star Wars. (laughs) You better hit that button. I'm hitting it.
1: I love Star Wars.
0: (laughs) Don't be too proud of this
1: technological terror you've constructed.